Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, October 26, 2022. Today on the Ether, a Chepe space. I know I said it was a two parter, I lied. It's a three parter. Deal with it. This is part two of three of everything Cosmos, Juno, Stars, Adam, Luna, Lunk, everything. Part two of three. Let's take a listen. Galactic, what are you up to, man? Are you there? I'm not sure if you can hear me. Mm, not sure. Black doesn't happened. want to speak. He doesn't want to speak. Maybe. <laughs> Z, are you there? Uh, any comments about this? The our shenanigans today, Z. You having fun or what? <laughs> or <laughs> Quimmer? Anything else? Commentary about Kadena or otherwise? I think you had KDA in your your name. What did you think about the my theories about it? Okay, yeah, um, I agree with your theory. Yeah? Um, someone mentioned something about Celo, Celo blockchain, uh, and then I picked a point from that. Yeah, um, why I actually love Cardano, um, it's one thing because of Stuart. I was gonna ask, um, I think it was was it Z? Stuart, Stuart Popejoy or Haber? No, Stuart Haber, like the Haber, the father himself. And I won't say the father, the main guy himself, the um, blockchain creator, the co-founder of blockchain itself. Yeah, Pope Popejoy is the one that's running the show now, like. Haber doesn't really do very much except yeah, he's, he's they just stuck his name on there for the most part to be like realistically his name's just on there he was in the bitcoin white paper obviously but like i don't think he's really doing a whole lot of anything regarding the current status of i the heard chain. that's the only reason they put him on there was just for that marketing yeah it's a marketing thing come on obviously Ooh. Now, not all, of us, not all of us know Stuart Haber personally either, so I guess it's a pretty good like name drop, I suppose. But, you know, that's sort of what the purpose of it was. But, like, have I actually seen any evidence that Stuart Haber has been participating in the Cadena project in any, like, rational way? Not really. I think he was an early sort of advisor and kind of was looking over things a little bit. But I don't think there's anything active going on there at all. So just be aware of that. It's kind of like marketing gimmickry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, actually, I, I, I didn't know this here. You know, um, one day, when I actually started looking into um, ash graphs, uh, not ash graphs, sorry, um, what do you call the stuff? I'll say ash graphs, so I'll say ash graphs, yeah. When I started looking into the idea of ash graphs, I kind of like felt it's much more scalable compared to the uh, regular blockchain, the likes of um, Ethereum and um, BTC and um, what's the name, Solana and everything. I like what, the what's idea. It called? What's it called? The ash how graph. You, how do you spell that? <laughs> H A S H G R. Oh, hashgraph. Okay, yeah, I hash couldn't graphs. understand your accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have this R factor. I'm a Nigerian, so however, <laughs> like 
an R factor. <laughs> I apologize for that. Yeah, you get it. So I kind of like the idea behind it, the scalability aspect of it. You see, for a technology to be accepted or to be used, definitely it has to be able to reach a wide number of persons without having to alt its system. You get it. So uh, when I started moving into Pact, I wanted to understand Pact, which is obviously the language that um, Galena is built on. I saw um, a better avenue. I saw something that made me, it, it's more like, like I said, my own perception. It's just kind of like made me feel like, okay, if these guys can do it in an easy way. And then I checked your um, partners when we had like of um, Microsoft, um, JP Morgan and the likes. I was like, fine, if these guys are already backed already, then I think I should be a bit safe to put in my money to Cadena. You get it. I actually want to build on Cadena. I have a project mm. I'm open to build on Cadena, but not yet. Um, okay. But I'm still watching. You get it. So I am a bit emotional with Cadena. Yeah, based on what I've read, I you get it. So I didn't actually even know that Stuart wasn't exactly, exactly functioning. But still on still, I still like them. I still like, I still like your idea. I don't even know how old Haber is. <laughs> like, I don't even know if he's doing anything <laughs> uh, engineering-wise anymore. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, so, but, but yeah, the, um, I think... Um, yeah, the, ha- the hash graph stuff is interesting. Um, you're talking about essentially HBAR and Constellation and things like that. They're basically information layers. Uh, they're not, they're, they're very different than blockchain. And you can essentially connect um, sort of any computational system to the, um, to the hash graph and sit, transmit data across this. So one one example the constellation people give was their little um i don't know they they want a little uh, grant from the u.s military where like you know you you have this decentralized data layer and you could transmit information from like i don't know an f-22 fighter which has one computer system to um i don't know like uh, a ground missile system or something that has a different computer system that's completely disparate um and you can connect them very easily to this uh, sort of decentralized layer, get that information transmitted um, somewhere in the world and be able to connect all this together without um, having to build the infrastructure yourself, right? So it's, it's secure, it's uh, encrypted, and you can transmit information between lots of different types of devices that are, that are programming language agnostic. So for example, like you might have one computer running on Rust or some system I don't know whatever the fuck the F-22 has or whatever fighter, you know, whatever uh, military hardware. And you can put these disparate systems and get the data transmitted. Uh, But it doesn't matter what programming language the uh, computer that's running is connected to. It's not that dissimilar to the way APIs work with, um, you know, programming interfaces work where, like, let's say you have your, I don't know, you can connect like your, you know how you can connect your tax software to your Coinbase account, or you can connect your tax software to, I don't know, your um, your brokerage account and get that data. You know how there's an API connection. So that type of, those type of APIs can be used. Um, uh, and the hash graph would be like, um, I don't know, like a replacement for like TCP IP based transmission. So you have a different layer so that if someone's trying to surveil you or trying to capture that data, you can sort of hide it in a different way. So, so the, the magic of hash graphs and um, like what they're capable of and what specific applications they're for is very different than say a Bitcoin or like a traditional blockchain. Um, so it's just a very different tech. So it's now, is that, does that mean that that's a good investment? Right. Like, I don't know, like if you, you have to look carefully at the tokenomics of these things and whatever the hell. Um, 
like how do these things accrue value for the coin and all of that stuff is a whole different um you know argument so i i don't i haven't analyzed them enough to know should i go by like constellation dag tokens or whatever the hell and you're supposed to have a certain number of them to run a node or i don't know what so there's some like um i don't know there's some supply demand tokenomics magicry going on there but i don't even know what like overpriced or like underpriced looks like in that market at all so like i don't know i well i guess now that it's a bear market it's probably not a bad time to whatever the hell you want to buy just buy it i guess but i don't really know um long term like what are the competitors to hash graph what are alternate technologies that would you know preclude the the military anybody else from bar, bothering with those things um i don't know so that's the, the, the maybe you have any maybe you have any further comments quim on that no, no, no. i'm good you, you just lectured me so um, based on what you were saying i'll obviously go read more to understand better thank you Safi. yeah I, I don't i don't even know if uh, what, like uh, how much you can really read i think i think the 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 problem is is like unless you are a user of a hash graph you, like you're the us military or you're some agency that wants to use this technology like uh i i think it's hard to be sure like how much this is worth um like hash graph technology it's hard to be sure how much it's worth because like what are the competitors and and what could you otherwise um, pay for the exact same service, right? So these are the kind of issues with some of these technologies. It's like for the end user, when you go to YouTube and you watch like influencers talk about any of these things, they all sound great. Like, wow, that's really cool tech. But is it a good investment? That's a different question entirely. And like, it's really much harder to tell. Um, like, is it like, is it worth putting my money in this thing is a very different thing than is a good tech, right? So yeah, okay. Um, speaking about that, Okay, I'm not much of a person that believes in cryptocurrencies. Um, I'm, I'm a person that believes in blockchain itself, not cryptocurrency. You get it? So when I actually invest, I invest because I want to make profit, convert it to Naira, and then buy myself a land, buy myself um, tools, farm tools, buy myself a farmland, make sure that my family is okay. It's, so I, I so what like, you're saying, like, let me be, let me kind of clarify that. So okay. you're not particularly interested in uh, like paying for things with crypto you are going to basically trade it for what, like use it as some kind of security, trade it. And then you're going to then go convert it to Nigerian currency and then buy some land or something. And then there's a Nigerian currency. Okay. I'm, I'm, all about, I'm all about something that gives me revenue dividends. You get it. Um, the blockchain definitely, or should I say the cryptocurrency market? To me, I feel like it's too vigged. I'm, I'm sorry, because about um, 1.7 trillion left the market. That was last this year, um, me or something. Yeah, and then I tried to check if the um, stable coins uh, market cap would increase because definitely when you're selling anything, you're selling to USDT, right? That is the idea, yeah. But then I didn't see that happen. Then I asked myself a question. How would 1.7 trillion leave the market? So then someone corrected me and said it's true OTC. How the fuck did this, so I apologize for using the word fuck, but how did this happen that it didn't reflect on the on-chain data like how did this happen so when i started seeing those kind of things i was like you know what cryptocurrency for, for bitcoin yeah for bitcoin yeah well not, remember not for, bitcoin, for cryptocurrency yeah remember a significant portion of uh, other cryptos are bought with leverage on other crypt you know like you borrow off of yeah. your ethereum and then you go buy a bunch of shit right or yeah. you um or even in bitcoin market uh a significant portion of the traded volume is actually in the futures market and in 
uh, sort of leveraged synthetic trading. So like the actual price of Bitcoin at any given moment is a reflection of many, many market forces. Uh, not all of it is related to whatever's on chain and sort of on chain activity. So you have like derivatives of Bitcoin, you have like people borrowing off their Bitcoin and buying other shit. Um, yeah, a lot of things sort of are happening at any given moment with BTC. So uh, I think like the on-chain analysis, like what you get from Glassnode, for example, um, like people have tried to predict the price of Bitcoin based on all sorts of things, like how long people have, you know, uh, uh, how, how old are wallets that are holding Bitcoin and how, uh, how many people have one whole Bitcoin and how many wallets do this and what, how many wallets do that. Um, as far as like predicting sort of like rationally, um, the pricing, it just doesn't have, it hasn't, um, the on-chain stuff hasn't predicted very much because when the, when there's a bull market going on, leverage can push up the price way higher than supported by actual exit liquidity. So when it goes to $70,000 and falls back down to 18 K, um, like the lows actually are the true value of Bitcoin, not the highs, right? Like the, the true value, true. And even that is not entirely true because you could, sh you could have shorts that, that dominate and, you know, some of that is synthetic as well. Right. So, so the price is somewhere between the low and the high, but it's really realistically closer. The value of Bitcoin's the true value is closer to the cost to mine than it is any kind of like leverage based inflation of the actual uh, price and everything. So it's interesting. Like if you look at what has happened right now with interest rates skyrocketing, like look what happened to gold price. And people talk about store of value. It's like it went from like 2000 to like, I think it's like 1600 now. Look at diamond prices. Look at all sorts of interesting dynamics. Like even though there's inflation going on in the dollar, the actual value of the commodities has actually fallen quite a lot as well. If not, you know, at the, compared to the top, they've, they've fallen quite a bit, actually. Very interesting dynamics playing out right now. It's, it's a very, like, almost scary time in a sense that, wait, hold on. Uh, gold was supposed to do well if, as a supposed inflation hedge, but it hasn't done that great. Like, <laughs> it hasn't really... Um, it, it hasn't been a particularly great investment on the whole. Uh, you didn't get any of the gains of the like stock market, nor did you really have the like, why isn't gold $3,000 now, for example, right? So if gold, which is a $10 trillion market cap type thing, you know, if it can't hold its value, even at that market cap, in terms of like stabilization of price, then what makes you think like, Bitcoin's getting there anytime soon. We're, we could talk, be talking about decades till it sort of like gets to a more like quote unquote stable value to where it can replace currency as opposed to um, as opposed to being simply kind of like a speculative store of value um, argument. So yeah, there's just a long way to go for that. And I think the problem is, is that like tech doesn't stand still. So like what happens if I don't know, like quantum systems get really, really impressive within five years, right? Long before BTC gets a significant fraction of, say, the gold market. Um, then, like, there, and by the way, there's nothing necessarily preventing, I don't know, like something crazy, some wacky ass shit. Like, who's going to, who's going to likely have quantum computing access early? It's going to be governments, right? It's going to be big tech, Google. Um, it's going to be people like IBM. It's going to be people like, 
Um, I, I don't know, Apple, I don't know if their research budget includes that yet. Um, I do know defense contractors are doing quantum as well because I have a friend that actually signed on with, uh, who was it? Um, uh, no, Raytheon. So I have a friend that's like at Raytheon in, in defense and, and they have a quantum computing uh, section, for example. Um, so a lot of the different uh, people that are working on quantum, if they create a new currency, let's say, based in quantum computing based um, uh, systems, like they will have the relative sort of monopoly on that for quite some time, just because it's not that easy to create like quantum software and uh, create these systems. So, you know, can like, let's say in the future, could the so-called central bank digital currencies be issued by networks of, you know, maybe a quantum computer that's sitting at every, you know, central bank, it's possible. Um, so a lot of different things can happen between now and 20 years or whatever. So like any Bitcoin you own to think that it's not speculative at some level, um, is just inappropriate. Like it's probably not a great idea to have all of your net worth in Bitcoin necessarily, right? Like any more that it's appropriate to have it all in Apple stock or something like that. Um, it's not without certain flaws. And, and the Bitcoin maxi crowd doesn't actually have good answers for all of those things, except to say, well, you know, like quantum computing will happen at some point later. The thing is like, if you look at uh, machine learning based techniques in terms of uh, the, the, how fast tech is iterating because of machine learning. Um, like if you look at protein folding, for example, as a great example, like you have a massive increase in the, the potential to create medicate medica medicines and other like, um, uh, healthcare type technologies because of alpha fold, which is a Google, um, deep mind project. Um, you know, it, was it obvious five years ago? Uh, that AlphaFold was going to revolutionize the synthetic drug industry. It like it wasn't obvious that it was going to be so good at what it does. It just wasn't. And anybody that thinks says otherwise, just I don't know, go back to 2015 or something like that, and look at, or 2013, 2014. Look at look at protein folding and tell me like um, it was considered one of the most difficult problems in science to solve. And AlphaFold made a massive impact in, in that technology. So to say that, like, I don't know, um, quantum technologies won't be further, like, that they won't come out even quicker when designed by machine learning systems. Um, this AI revolution is just ridiculous. And the feedback loop between that and quantum um, computing is, like, I think probably one of the most sort of important confluences of technology in the history of our galaxy or whatever. Who, who the fuck knows? The point is, like, these are very, very sort of in, important fundamental technologies that, um, that like, our imagination in terms of how our life is going to look 15 years or 20 years from now is not really clear. I mean, just look like you playing on your smartphone now and look at your Nokia phone from, like, 2000 or whatever. Um, and then just project that 20 years in the future and like what kind of fucked up things we're going to be doing. It's going to be uh, like these are some of the most outlandish um, technologies in the sense that the difference between self like cell phones right now, if I were to tell you in 1980 that we could have phones like this with little screens and we're talking to each other and there's like this thing called the Internet and there's like, you know, radio waves that travel around, you could understand it like you, you have a radio, you've played with it, you see how signals fly across the air magically. Um, you, you know, early computers came out and there were actually people that wrote about today's computers 
uh, Gibson and other people and, and like really predicted sci-fi people predicted a lot of what we use right now uh, with reasonable um, like, like not accuracy, but like um, they, they didn't fully understand the nature of TikTok or some shit. Right. But they, but they, they predicted a lot about how people would behave. Um, you know, like how Finney is famous for mentioning is more or less what NFTs were back when, you know, Bitcoin was being created, for example, and like a lot of different things were sort of predicted. But the thing is, the things that will come from quantum uh, computing and the things that will come from AI um, are much harder to predict in terms of their impact on society and our lives, like way harder than just simply extrapolating the radio and the TV to cellular phones. Like, I, like, I, like our imagination doesn't like resolve um, fully the capabilities of what um, like quantum plus AI technologies and a feedback loop will actually create or the speed that they'll happen. So when it comes to things like investing or Bitcoin or whatever, um, it's like, it's a bad idea, I think, to wrap your sort of like in universal investment thesis into just that. Um, I think that can be actually... Um, I don't know, like it could be catastrophically dangerous if things go the wrong way. So I know people, some people have like all their net worth in Bitcoin or whatever. And, you know, more power to you. If, if nothing happens, great. That's wonderful. Um, but uh, like, it's probably not a bad idea to generally say diversified, regardless of how enthusiastic you are about a specific thing, um, including BTC. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, and I understand all the nuances of blah blah blah, and what BTC is and isn't, and all that shit, right? Like that the the you could argue that um, like all the 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 routine arguments about the tech of Bitcoin are well understood. Like there's nothing like new to say. I think most of the big ideas about Bitcoin have been stated already. Um, the only thing that hasn't happened is like no one nobody's put out a paper that converts the Bitcoin mining devices to um, to quantum devices yet that I'm aware of. Um, I haven't seen that uh, so far. Uh, so eventually, if the protocol changes to be quantum encrypted instead of um, what we use now, then maybe it's possible to preserve that network. But just imagine um, that is a very big endeavor, right? Like, uh, and would would uh, the current um, tokenomics model uh, may not work either in that context. I'm not sure, like mathematically, I'm not sure if it would work. Um, so anyway, it's, uh, the, the cost to mine may, may, uh, be either way cheaper or way more expensive, depending on how you look at it, but probably way cheaper, um, using, uh, quantum based uh, techniques. So I think the original algorithm may not work, um, anymore once that, um, those techniques emerge. So, yeah. So even if like you didn't like hack the Bitcoin wallets with your quantum computer, um, which by the way, with sufficient qubits, you very much could like the brute force attacks become very possible um, with enough financial incentive. Um, but even if you didn't do that, a new system could emerge that rivals um, either the Bitcoin network or otherwise that we haven't even thought of yet. Um, and I think that will come in the form of what Jimmy was talking about earlier. I know Jimmy rants a lot, but he has, uh, he has actually not a little more knowledge than people think. And <laughs> that's the reason why I, I tolerate his hilarity and uh, drama, uh, because he's actually a lot smarter than you think. <laughs> so the, uh, uh, like it, it takes one to know one, so to speak. But anyway, the, uh, the, uh, I think the thing to wonder about is, um, 
what Jimmy was talking about earlier, where bots are talking to bots and AI is interacting with AI and you don't even know it anymore, right? Like there are some systems developing fake content, like using things like copy.ai and others to create fake content for the internet. Then Google is using its algorithms to then look at those that fake content to make sure that you're not using things like copy.ai and other sort of AI-based um, like copy platforms to get more search engine hits, right? So people are trying to manipulate the search hits by creating like AI-generated nonsense content. You see it on Twitter all the time. You get bot, you know, AI-generated bot nonsense every day, right? Like if you're, especially if your account's bigger, you'll you'll get a lot of them. And um, you'll, or go to Elon Musk's account and you'll see all of them. <laughs> and um, it, so what's happening is, is one system is generating artificial intelligence-based information Another is countering that. So you have AI defense systems um, being put into place. And then that is resulting in other problems. Um, uh, and I think if you look at Google this last three quarters, their earnings have been going down. And I don't think that's only because of ad spend. Um, I think there are more and more issues with like uh, Google content be, is going to be end up be, getting created on YouTube. And YouTube in particular, I'm sorry, YouTube content has um, uh, been affected in their ad spend revenue, ad revenue has gone down. And um, a lot of different factors are playing a role there. But the more sort of AI generated nonsense gets on YouTube, and the signal to noise ratio gets affected in terms of like, the ability to monetize that, you'll you notice that like Google has now started a growth downturn um, in earnings the last three month three quarters. And like today, I think the price of Google dropped 10%. And um, people are like, Oh, like, you don't, this isn't a shit coin. Google's not going to go down 70%. Fucking watch. <laughs> like, watch what happens when the price to earnings ratio of blue chip companies falls. Um, like, you, you just haven't been around and old enough to notice. Like, like, companies that were like automotive companies, like Ford and others, were like at one point priced like growth in tech stocks, right? And then now, like, you know, General Electric's and not General Electric, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a, a lot of like, um, like, uh, like older companies will have price to earnings ratios closer to like five. Um, and they'll usually put out more dividends and, and no longer promise a lot of growth. And Google's already sort of like reached that. Um, now, like they might turn the corner and um, avoid the stock price demise because they have one of the most powerful AI houses in the world in the form of Google DeepMind. And they haven't actually um, monetized most of that yet. Um, so right now they make most of their money in search and ads, obviously, and they might turn that ship around. So like if Google's price drops to that of, um, like most of the, most of the growth premium has been taken out. I think price to earnings ratio dropped to like 19 today. If that drops to like 10, then I'm going to go buy Google stock because I know about what the, what's in their AI houses in, in deep mind. Um, and I figured that they'll monetize that at some point in the future. Um, whether it was like a lot of the stuff that they have was sort of open sourced or, like open AI is open sourced. Um, but I think their ability to monetize it at some point is a possibility. So I might buy their stock, for example, when the price is low enough. But I think people like have a hard time understanding like, hey, my portfolio, what's happening to it? Um, well, the, the world's growth stocks, like the tech bubble is essentially burst. And most of the big tech stocks have really dropped in PE ratios. Um, even Apple's like between 20 and 25. I remember when PE ratio of Apple dropped to 15 when I bought it last. Um, so you, you'd be surprised how much these things can go down. 
Um, but I think it's becoming more and more difficult to figure out what to invest in, uh, where to put your money, because the, um, I don't know, the, the change is so obnoxiously fast. Um, it's, it's really tricky. So like a lot of companies have become pump and dump. So like VC firms and shit, they'll go and like the VCs make all the money by, you know, essentially dumping on retail investors. Um, and this is across the stock markets too. It's not just in crypto or whatever, like, you know, Oh, look, Solana is a VC fund and look at the big pump and dump or whatever. Um, the, the VCs, you know, like, look what happened to galaxy digital, right? Like, why do you think Luna crashed? You think it was just because of some sort of like random DPEG? Well, no, because like, like people like Galaxy Digital and others, like major funds that were involved actually dumped on the retail market as part of the reason why that happened, right? The people blame Do Kwan or whatever the fuck. But the reality is like the blame can go around to Mike Novogratz and, um, and Binance and a bunch of other people that caused a lot of shenanigans, honestly. <laughs> like, you know, so, um, so yeah, a, a lot of um, tech investing is is um is not so easy to sort out and um finding out where to put your money has is difficult even in a bear market while everything's cheap it's not really clear what one should buy if anything exactly and i think that's part of the problem um a lot of the new tech that we just talked about whether it's like quantum or ai related anything these are not in the hands of retail investors to a large extent like a lot of you and like, these are not stocks. You just go hop on the internet and go buy, you go like go to your Fidelity account and you buy the latest AI stock or whatever. No, that like most of those things are going to be um, sold to like, if I had a V, you know, a, a AI firm, I'm going to produce something interesting and probably try to sell that tech to like, I don't know, um, a country or a military or a, um, you know, or, or a, a Google or an Apple or something like that. Um, you know, bringing a like product market fit and like what Jimmy was saying earlier, like bringing uh, that to fruition as a pure AI company um, is, is a lot more difficult. Um, and therefore, like you being able to invest in a pure AI play somehow is going to be much, much harder. Like go Google AI companies or something like that. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Like you look at these things. You're like, I don't know. These things look kind of sketchy to me or B, like they're so small that they're like these pink slip stocks or whatever. And probably 99% of them go to zero, like literally. Um, if, you, if you think crypto has a lot of shit that goes to zero, like I think we should introduce people to the stock market. Uh, KC's here, he knows what I'm talking about. Like, you know, like there's a lot of things that can go to zero um, and, and crypto is the least of your problems. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that can do the same. Uh, hey, KC, what's up, man? Uh, not much, bud. How you been? Good. Like, what do you, th you think is going to happen to the like, the the real estate market since you're kind of in the background of that right you think it's going to be a total cluster like are you seeing like loan applications drop off and all that um yeah i'm not directly involved in, in that respect but i definitely uh i definitely look into it a lot my buddy just bought a house and uh you know uh, he, he bought it i don't know like a month or two ago back when rates were uh, a little bit lower but uh yeah i mean i it all depends what happens with the markets and what happens, but uh, it definitely doesn't look very good right now. I think I think house prices are going to go down. I'm actually shocked that more crypto companies haven't just fallen off the map. You know, personally, like so many of these little players are just sticking around through this whole thing, which I thought more coins and 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 uh, companies would have just totally got wiped out. You know, I think it depends on how rich they got by selling uh, along right. the way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the tre the treasury is very substantially for some of these organizations. 
And that, that we were mentioning this earlier, some of them dropped off the map on social media because uh, there aren't that many people listening, right? Like when there's sure. a bear market, like they're not getting a whole lot of eyeballs. So why spend the time on, I don't know, Twitter spaces or yeah. YouTube or whatever the fuck, right? Like even the YouTube influencers do the same thing. Like they disappear during the bear market because there's not that much going on. And like, you know, if you go and produce a YouTube video and six people watch it, like, why did you bother? Right. That's what, ha that's yeah. what, that's the take home message. That's why like the bull market is the bull market. There's this kind of like FOMO period where everybody shows up for the party, right? Like all at one that, time. That's why, yeah, I'm, I'm paying attention to the companies that are still building and that are still communicating with people. You know, there's, there's definitely some out there that are really, uh, that are still doing that stuff. And those are, who you want to pay attention to, you know, for sure. So, um, yeah, I was happy to see though, Elon, uh, Elon Musk bring, bringing the kitchen sink in there to Twitter. That, that's going to be, a uh, hopefully <laughs> get rid of some of these bots. It's and like stuff, he man. went to, he went to Home Depot before he went to the, the Twitter uh, headquarters. He bought a fucking sink and took it. And he's like, this is going to be funny. <laughs> it was what, pretty sweet. What does that mean though? Does that, does that mean he's getting rid of everything but the kitchen sink or is there a different uh, meaning behind that? No, he said like um, I'm I'm walking into the 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 meme was like I'm uh, walking into the headquarters of Twitter or something like that. Let that sink in. It was sort of like <laughs> oh okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and, he, and he's walking in with a sink basically. That right. was the, that was the joke or something. Okay. <laughs> or I don't know. Like I thought, yeah, but you know, it wasn't a kitchen sink though. It was a bathroom sink. Right. <laughs> it was. It was like the top of a pedestal sink. Well, I just know <laughs> he's dumping everybody too. So I'm like, well, that could have that could apply the same he way. He could have like, incorporated the kitchen sink, I suppose. Like, got that would have been better. That would have been better. <laughs> no, <I thought> <laughs> like, but yeah. no, man, it's crazy. I just uh, I just got back from uh, my trip around Europe and everything, and man, they're you know talking to these Uber drivers and just people that are in the in the city. Man, they are their 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 uh gas bills are just crazy and stuff right now i i mean i i know we we complain as americans but we have no idea what kind of problems they got over there it's fuel prices are so much higher and uh you know their their gas bills are just insane right now guys are taking loans out just to pay gas bills it's crazy yeah i think i think uh depending on where you live like um if uh, the places that have like a very high density of natural gas, oil, solar, like all at one place, like are the places that are growing quickest at the moment. And the places that ha are constrained by uh, things like you know, heating fuel prices and things of that nature, where the average person is going to have a hard time. Like there is no solution to that shit, by the way. That's just like, you know, like if you don't have enough money to heat your home, Welcome to the fucking Middle Ages. That's how it is, right? Like there is no solution to that, right? Yeah. Like, like what are you gonna do? It's a real. It's a real. Like it becomes a very severe, like personal crisis, especially if it's an area that's particularly very cold or whatever. Yeah, I feel guilty as hell, man. Like here, our dollar. I mean, when I went to Europe uh, last year in 2021, I mean, my dollar was not as strong. I go. I go now and. You know, it's I'm at uh, parity with with the euro, and it's nice to go in in Europe and take a European European vacation when everything is is cheaper comparatively. So, but these people are over here suffering. You know, uh, relying. Well, I guess it's a good it's a good way to distribute your wealth, right? Like you just go in like a vacation in Europe, dump some money, <laughs> and spend some money at restaurants or whatever the fuck. And right, I feel like I'm yeah, helping everybody spread, out. Yeah, helping everybody out, sort of, and checking out the sites or whatever.
Yeah. Um, like when the euro, but when the euro was really high, right? The opposite was true. Like people would show up in America with your euros and just go to, you know, go to town. Oh yeah. Dude, the Brits were all over the place in, in America back then, man. They were loving it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I think there's a lot of rough times ahead. I, I know a lot of people are thinking things are going to turn around and I think they have to, to some degree, because interest rates are going to have to take a, uh, take a break. You know, I mean, we're going to bankrupt our whole country if we keep raising rates. So, I mean, at some point this market's got to turn around to some degree just because rates can't keep going up. But uh you know, is it a prolonged thing? I'm not really sure how long, how long it lasts or whatnot, but it's definitely an interesting period of time we're in. Uh, we're definitely not in the in the Volcker kind of period where we can just keep raising rates at 20%. Yeah, I think uh, one thing like the United States needs to do uh, is it needs to shore up certain types of manufacturing sectors somehow or another. Uh, one example, simple example, would that be clothing? Like no clothing is produced in the continental United States, not fucking Levi's jeans, not nothing, right? Like everything has been outsourced outside the country, which is very weird. So if any kind of like major disaster happens, like everyone's gonna be like, you, you better, your clothes better last. <laughs> in other words, like you better, you can go to the thrift shop, I guess. I was thinking the same thing clothes. with medicine though. Like isn't medication all Yes. Yeah. A lot of medications, uh, are produced outside the United States. Yes, that's correct. I mean, so that's a lot of basic like, ones too, very like, um, things that you would think would not be, um, outsourced. Like for example, like normal saline, for example, just bags of fluid that you'd use in a hospital or like yeah, potassium supplements or whatever. When that yeah. hurricane hit, uh, down, I was in Houston and I was, I had to go to the hospital and they didn't have any saline left because the hurricane took out the main manufacturing plant in one of the, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Um, no, a lot, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of dependencies that are not sort of accounted for. It's, yeah, it's an interesting problem. But clothing in particular, um, I think some of the new synthetic clothings um, are amazingly resilient in terms of how long they last and shit. And like, you don't even need like uh, the like. I know with COVID recently, there's a dry cleaner near me that I used to drop all my shit off at, and they went out of business. And I'm like, uh, okay, that you know, clearly people were not going out as much so they were not having to dry clean their clothes and they never opened that place back up because i think um you know I'm, i don't know i'm not sure why but like some of these new trends right now like athleisure have you seen these clothes where it's like um like i know my medical scrubs for example are made of this new like synthetic shit and it's like it is amazing like it doesn't wrinkle it doesn't uh you can wash it a gajillion times like it's really really comfortable huh i haven't heard of that before what what's uh what's the material called uh I don't, I don't know what it is it's like probably some sort of new like polymer nanofabric whatever the fuck it is but the point is like it it's amazingly resilient like yeah like i've been wearing this what i'm wearing like sitting here right now that i went to work with and i'm sitting in this i'm like like i think i bought this like during covid or something and it, it looks brand new like i it like came out of the store. So i think um one of the ways to combat um inflation uh, as opposed to people just buying, like, like if you got rid of cheap clothes from China, like a pair of pants is going to cost you like $300 is the problem. So like the, 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 the cheap cost of Chinese goods has dramatically made, like has made people, um, I think, uh, spoiled in terms of what you think you can get for your money. Um, but when you eliminate that, like the cost of your goods, like if you were to produce them locally, you're going to skyrocket. 
And one of the ways to mitigate that problem is, is if clothes actually lasted a lot longer, which some of these that I'm looking at now do. And then some of the trends will move towards like what they call athleisure, where I think these types of fabrics will be the norm because they're so comfortable. Like they're, I mean, they're substantially more comfortable than like a pair of jeans or some shit anyway. Like, so I think ultimately these new fabrics and stuff will be nice. They'll last longer, which will make them relatively cheaper per the amount of time you have to stay clothed. And then um, that'll help with like things like national security concerns when it comes to things like, well, what happens if something big happens and we can't produce any damn clothes or something? And uh, so, so I think there's some interesting uh, technological things that can be done to counter inflation. Um, and technology generally has been deflationary. Like if you look at like how much you pay for your smartphone right now, how much computational power you can like have in your phone, it's like a gajillion times how much you would have in a similar like office desktop publishing thing from Apple, you know, early on in the early days That's where like a 50000 or $100,000 computer on your desk would do this shit, but like your phone in your hand right now could probably do the same work as a thousand of, or 10,000 of those back in those days. Right. So like the, the deflation in technology has been remarkable. Go to like your local, I don't know, whatever the hell Sam's club, what do you call it? Uh, Costco or whatever, and go look at your like cheapest TV there. Right. The cheapest piece of shit. T- like, I don't know. I don't even want to call it a piece of shit. Like the cheapest TV you find in the store um, for like several hundred dollars is amazing, like truly amazing compared to something you'd spend like three to $50,000 on, if not more actually in the year, like, uh, 2000, right? Like yeah. go back to 2000 and see what's available and look what you can buy now at the bottom of the barrel Walmart shelf, right? Like it's amazing no. what you can get. So the technology has been really deflationary and that has allowed our quality of life to improve. Um, even though, like, if you just look at the so-called purchasing power of the dollar for land and other goods has technically gone down, right? Like, well, so when you think of inflation, yeah. inflation has not been across the board, like bad in the sense that like overall, if you look at all the tech innovations created by America, Japan, Europe, um, even China to some extent, like if you look at all the innovations that have come around, they have improved the, what you can buy for your dollar even though the overall value of the dollar has gone down. Although like the argument is, well, the cost of real goods and services like um, stocks oh. have, um, and uh, what do you call it? Um, s- stocks and like commodities and things like that have inflated right. considerably. Right. So uh, like looking at how things are going, it's like, I don't know. Um, you know, do you really need as big of a house as you did before? If you have all your shit on your phone, you don't need a library in your house, a study and whatever the fuck else. So it's becoming like more, more, more so that maybe like people culturally will simply move to living smaller because you have no choice. I have a suspicion. I go ahead. Casey. What are you saying? No, exactly. I just, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I start to think about all these, you know, baby boomers that have these massive homes. Like nobody's ever even going to want one of those. My house is fucking huge and probably no one's going to want mine either. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. That's quite possible. But yeah. It's, uh, um, no, but, uh, like, yeah, the, the, um, the, the, the kinds of things people are going to value, I think are just going to be different ultimately. And, um, like it's like kind of why I think some people like like the concept of owning NFTs or whatever. You, you own them on your little phone and your wallet or whatever, and 
you know, they just, <laughs> they're just interesting little things that you own that you don't have to store somewhere. Um, and, and you don't have to f- build a closet for them and all this shit. Like, actually, if you go to even simple stuff, like go to the to- like toy section of the local, I don't know, Walmart or something and notice like there aren't, they don't spend that much space on toys anymore. In fact, like most of the Toys R Us and the toy stores have largely closed because kids aren't playing with these things. Um, and there was a huge amount of plastic and waste and other shit, right? So like you, you could argue, well, yeah, how useful are those things in the first place? But um, yeah. All the, people do is give a, give a kid a phone nowadays and they don't have to yeah. do anything else, right? The, the digital babysitter, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here, kid, do this. Okay, I'm a right. good parent, right? Like. <laughs> It's, it's surprising too how many people are living in those little vans and stuff too you know like those little uh vans and and they they value traveling around the world and seeing things and there's just i think the values are kind of changing in people you know as far as uh, the, the values used to be oh how much shit i can i own how big a house can i own how many cars can i have and it's kind of changing a little bit i don't know if that's a, a age thing or cultural thing that's changing but it's definitely interesting well, I mean, if, if things like the price of like, I don't know, automobiles just skyrocket, um, you, like the obvious um, outcome of that would be, oh, and, and if you, so if you look at uh, like, here's an interesting technology vector. So if you look at um, the self-driving car concept, right? Imagine uh, like you didn't have to own a car, maintain it or do any of that shit, right? Which is like I just spent like five grand fixing up my fucking Jeep because like I don't know what the hell was wrong with it. Uh, it's still not sounding right <laughs> after spending all this money on it. And um, like I should have just bought a new car and dumped the thing, honestly. But I don't know, whatever. So um, so if you have a, the 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 automated cars, the difference would be like let's say in your neighborhood you had a car that was parked in your neighborhood just waiting for the next person to call for a ride. And there's just this network of self-driving cars of Ubers or whatever. Um, If you could have a car show up to your house, right, within like, I don't know, a couple of minutes of you wanting one, like you tell your phone, hey, I need a car. And it shows up in front of your house in one minute or whatever. Um, Would I really want to own a car at that point outside of like maybe the entertainment value of a car? Maybe, maybe not, right? Like it becomes somewhat superfluous at that point for most people. Um, and a lot of people own cars that definitely would not want one. Like, for example, if you're elderly, like if you're, I don't know, 80 plus, and you had a inexpensive way for a vehicle to just show up, pick you up, maybe bring groceries for you, or maybe, um, like, actually think about this. Like, um, there's no obvious reason why a system like that wouldn't know what groceries you like and eventually be like, well... I just want most of my groceries and the car just goes and gets them for you, right? Like there's no obvious reason to even go to the grocery store at that point. So some of the needs of you getting in a car are going to go down. Some of the reasons why you want, you would own a car are going to go down. I've seen some, you know, you see elderly couples, right? And they still own a car because they got to get around and um, you know, it sits in their garage for like, 95% 95% of the day and maybe they go to a couple of doctor's visits or something like my parents <laughs> and, and uh, like the rest of the time the car is just sitting there doing nothing it's not used most of the day right so you could actually um, uh, like a community car like a, it's almost like a rental car would it's going to be ground into the dirt much faster and you can replace that much faster and the technology cycle is, quickens because your car is not sitting there doing nothing in your garage just literally 
like just depreciating for no obvious yeah, reason. So, space, right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, th- I think uh, like cars are such a hideous investment. And I know people got like used to the car being like the symbol of freedom and entertainment and all that shit. And, and like, it is to some degree. It, it, yeah, of course. Like it's, it's, it's fun to be able to own the thing and go wherever you want and everything. But at some level, you know, that like, like, it, well, take this example, like, um, because of my like morning hours, I tend to have to go to work, um, at a time where like my kids were, um, it didn't make sense for me to drop them off. So I actually have to hire someone to like, you know, uh, pick them up. I literally, my kids have a chauffeur, right? Essentially, like that's pretty much <laughs> what they have. And she, she kind of picks, you know, we've done this over the years and they'll pick up the kids and, you know, t- drop them to school and whatever. Right. And to make it worth it, because you, you're not going to be able to just pay for that. Like, you're not going to be able to find a trustworthy person to stay for just two hours a day or whatever. Right. You have to pay them for, like, at least half the day or something. So then you have them do some dishes and do that. Next thing you know, you basically have the butler, essentially. Well, it sounds like you got, like, a, kind of like an old pair, right? Living at your house, taking care of your kids, cleaning up your laundry. Yeah, like, they just take care of the, yeah, the little basics and stuff. Because, like, my wife and I both. Um, like work a lot so um if we're if we're out working and whatever like it doesn't make sense to like it's not possible to do all these things simultaneously um just just the nature of things so anyway but my point was like the amount that i pay this woman plus you know like these other things like would i necessarily need a person that's full-time if there was the automated car to take the kid back and forth from school credibly and safely and everything probably not right so the thing about uber right now is depending on where you live it's it gets expensive if you use it every single day um well you know me man i'm out in the middle of montana so it would it would break me yeah in montana yeah exactly places like smaller towns and everything like there's not enough of a network of cars but in the self-driving car arena um you could actually have enough activity even in smaller towns to make it worth it because the labor cost of the person is the expensive piece of the puzzle, right? So you know that like the decentralized, like, I don't know, crypto car with, you know, run by like AI, you know, automated whatever is coming. And, um, you know, you'll be able to use your like staking yield or some shit to like, you know, fuel, the price, fuel your car or some nonsense, right? Hey, to that point, uh, you, you saw know? Starlink is now mobile, right? A Starlink, what do you mean? The Starlink satellite, Elon Musk Starlink mm-hmm. satellite. They 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 have it so you can put it on your car, or your camper, and you oh yeah, I'm sure high speed internet everywhere. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, Star the satellite, anything. The problem is you need line of sight. That's the only problem with it. Right. Yeah. So as long I mean, as I don't you know have how a... they deal with going. I mean, if you if you're not in the middle of a desert and you're going under trees and shit, you're gonna have interruption to some degree. So, yeah. I don't know how good Starlink is for um like I don't know how good it's. I don't know how good it is for um, like inclement weather and stuff like that too. Well, I had it for a little while out here in Montana, but they didn't have oh, yeah. satellites up yet. Um, so in the snow and everything, it did fine. It was just, uh, there wasn't enough satellites. So I think I'll probably try getting it again now that they got a shitload of satellites up there now. Um, mm. I, I got it. Like I was one of the beta testers when they first came out. So it was, it was fast, low latency. It was great, but it just, uh, just didn't yeah, do, if, if you're the, in small towns or places without great broadband or 
or oh, yeah. five, 5G or whatever the fuck latest uh, thing is, uh, I think, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, the top, the top speed I can get is 12 megabytes up and down, so it's it's not great. <laughs> it's, mm. uh, it's pretty bad. I think it's actually 12, 12 up and like four down. It's something terrible. It's, it's not great at all. Or is it It's the other way around? Whatever way it is, it sucks either way. <laughs> but, mm. uh, you know, yeah. regards to like things going out of style, what you were talking about, I, for a while there during COVID, I thought, I thought movie theaters were going to be gone. I thought we'd never see a movie theater ever again. I think they're barely surviving though. I don't like, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, there aren't that many movies. I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to go see it in a theater. Like top gun two is amazing. Obviously. Oh, dude, I saw it like three times. That was amazing. Exactly. <laughs> it's like really, really good. Um, it's like the perfect bromance or whatever. You're like, you know, you're like high fives and tears and shit. Um, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. It's but Yeah. But, but outside of that, like there aren't that many, um, and movie theaters are doing so, so even before COVID much less. Right. Now. Um, just people's viewing habits and everything changed with like long form, um, like, you know, the game of Thrones type shows and everything. But, uh, yeah, the, the, um, you know, I, it doesn't seem like long-term many theaters will make it right. Like I think some might, um, I don't know. I'm not sure. What do you think? I mean, you think people gonna... got like 80 inch TVs in their living room now. It's like, you know, at some point, right. almost, yeah. you know, what's the point? Um, yeah, but, you're uh, almost you're almost there, right? Yeah, it's like it's not much much difference, but no, I mean, I, I agree. I think uh, I think the whole the whole world is going to be changing pretty rapidly. I mean, I just thinking back when I was in high school, like you said, I I had a a brick phone that I couldn't even barely fucking text on. Now I can, you know, I can do anything on my smartphone. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. If you've been around long enough, like the kids that have been like been around weren't there pre smartphone, um, like uh didn't get to witness like that beautiful arc of history right like oh. it's pretty cool yeah like yeah, so the, do, you think, do you think schools will eventually become like a, a a you know virtual reality type thing and and they don't even need schools anymore i mean i think that, so i think so think? like if you look at like if you look at number one um like uh i don't know if you saw that post i made i made a post where i I um I put a link up. I don't know if I have it on here. Maybe you guys can find it. But um, I put a link up to where um Joe Rogan, uh, fake AI Joe Rogan, was oh, interviewing fake AI uh, Steve Jobs. Yes, I saw that. that was yeah, great. and if you listen to it, you're like, holy shit, they sound exactly like alike. And their their interviews are irrational, right? Right. How right. long do you think it's going to be before, like, you're like, hey, I want to learn polynomials, right? And then the, the, the system gives you examples of, like, how to do this algebra. And then you do it and you make some mistakes. And then the thing's like, no, you got, you know, number four wrong. You need to do it this way. Like, the reality is, is like a significant portion of, like, uh, elementary school to, um, like, high school level teaching. Like there is, there's a sum total zero chance that that can't be significantly taken over by simply AI based teachers, right? Well, like, go a step further, not just even that, but when, once everybody gets a Neuralink chip in their head and you can just do this shit and access the <laughs> like, what's the point of even going to school anymore? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, it, it'll be fascinating. I think, uh, particularly for communities that don't have access to a lot of um, things, like, for example, if you are in, I don't know, like, you know, around uh, Quimmer's part of the world, like you're in certain parts of Africa that maybe don't have good, like, I don't know, healthcare, for example. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the AI doctor is going to be better than no doctor at all for damn sure. That's right? true. Like, for sure. And I, you know, uh, so there's a lot of things that I do in medicine, for example, that are definitely automatable and definitely um, an AI copying me could get a lot of the things I do right. No question well, about it. Like a lot of the decisions I'm... I make are not like, they're definitely, um, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, intellectual backing to it, but at the same time, not yeah. some, a lot of it is not something you can't program uh, a computer to do much less an AI that is copying me or whatever. Right. So I think like those types of technologies will be uh, deployed very heavily in areas without a lot of like regulatory regimes and in areas that have like a need where if they had that versus nothing, right. It would make a big difference. Yeah. Where, yeah. They, where they already have internet and smartphones as well. Right. Yeah. And, and talking to that point, I think I remember at um, one of our local hospitals, they have a, uh, a surgery center where a doctor from a different state can do surgery on somebody like that's a specialist and it's robotic arms and shit like that. It's crazy. I, I'm sure you know yeah, about that's that. Correct. Like the Da Vinci robot. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and same thing with some um, airplanes. I know a lot of airplanes are talking in the future. They're going to they're going to be all flown by AI and, you know, just shit like that. So it's I think the world's going to change pretty fast. Yeah. I, well, certainly. Yeah. The, the autopilot systems are going to be dramatically like more augmented um, with these systems. Yeah. No question about it. Like, when do you get to a point where literally like there's no pilot? I don't know. But. Um, well, I think they're talking about <laughs> yeah. the no pilot thing in cargo planes. I don't think people even get on planes if there's no pilot. Like people just don't. Ah, that's, that's the issue. It's like a it's like a mental thing for people too. Like they just don't trust it, and you can't have that if people don't trust it, and they're not even willing to get on a plane that doesn't have a person flying it. But sometimes, probably people are more dangerous than robots are. Although Casey, Casey, you know what? Like people's trust of things changes over time. It does. Like, if you were to ask people at the time of the Wright brothers, would they get on a fucking plane? They'd be like, fuck <laughs> that, right? I'd be like, no way I'm getting on that goddamn thing. If it was up to me, the airplane was never been invented, right? Like, like, because I'm not getting on that goddamn thing and jumping off a mountain, right? Like, it's not <laughs> happening. But when it comes to, um, when it comes to, like, uh, the cultural change over time, people get used to all sorts of stuff, right? Like, oh, definitely. Now it's like, oh, if you can't get on commercial aviation, you're taking my freedoms away, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you're t- it's like taking away your Harley or something. Like, you're going to have people like rioting in the streets and shit. Like, oh, my, my freedom, my whatever. And these are things that like people would have like, you know, balked at getting on like in you know, a hundred years ago or whatever. Like, they'd be like, get out of here. I'm not getting on that thing. <laughs> you know? No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what you intended this show to be, but it, uh, nothing. We're just, we're just talking shit today. No, it's that's cool. It's been, it's been fun. <laughs> There's a lot of shit that I find interesting. You know, did you? One of the biggest things in the world that uh, is obviously an issue is energy. Everybody wants to go to clean energy now. When you know, when California has to say, "Hey, don't charge your electric car, otherwise you might crash the grid." Like, I don't think we're ready for that yet. But um, one thing I found interesting for the energy aspect, some guy was talking about. You know, we have unlimited heat coming from the middle of the earth. If you could take, which they've already created this uh, graphene string that they turned into a big woven whatever. And obviously graphene transfers heat 
like almost flawlessly uh, from end to end without loss in the middle. And I mean, if you can take this big rope or whatever of graphene and, and wire it down, you know, or send it all the way down to where the heat is and then transfer it up, you know, uh, create steam and, and run, you know, run uh, electrical plants or whatever, that would be uh, a miracle. And that'd be, you know, we, you know, the sun, the sun's not up. You don't have solar panels. If the wind's not blowing, you don't have, uh, you know, uh, wind turbines or whatever you want to call them. Um, uh, so it's just, yeah. It's, there are a lot of uh, sort of like uh, there's a lot of things that you don't even have to invent actually that work right now. Um, there's like substantially improved uh, insulation systems. There's substantially improved like there's there's geothermal heat sinks which you can put in your house um, to like uh, to like in dramatically enhance the use of like a a heat pump system, right? Like, so you use the relatively cooler temperature under the ground beneath your house, which runs use like 55 degrees. Um, yeah, I've seen that. A year round or whatever, a 55 Fahrenheit. Um, so it uh, stays cool all the time. So you can dump heat into the ground um, and exchange it into this massive heat sink. It's very similar to like um, how your like granite countertop is a heat sink. You know, if you put your hot pot on that thing, the pot will be cool within like two minutes, right? Like it's really quick. <laughs> it's that same concept. You can just dump heat into the ground that way. So you can, you, so there's a lot of uh, like energy efficiency based systems that I think would be way easier to implement. Uh, but the problem is, is that it's hard to retrofit that into old homes. Right. So this is one of those things where like, <laughs> like, if you're relatively wealthy and you can build yourself a new home, you can solve for a lot of these things. But even then, a lot of people don't think of this stuff. They just, they want to buy a house. They want to have like a certain number of rooms. They want a kitchen and they want this, that, and the other thing, but they don't spend that much money on these sort of like energy systems. Right. So a lot of it's just the consumers not making the decision to invest in that stuff um, to be sort of like off the grid or whatever. Um, I remember like that. Put it incentivize it though too because if it's not incentivized then why the hell would anybody do it right yeah well yeah i I suppose but it's also just a lot of people just are clueless too like uh like i have a um so i have a friend that lives outside the city um he's also kind of a bitcoiner for a long time and um he is basically off the grid and his house is on county land as opposed to city land so what that means is like he doesn't have to pay city level taxes. So number one, he saves right then and there, right? The land is way cheaper. You can get a lot more land um, for the money uh, or whatever. And he has a variety of interesting technologies. One of them is he just has like a, a fireplace that functions as a actual heating tool. So like one piece of wood burning this thing will uh, heat up the entire like mass of the fireplace. And it will heat the whole home for the night, right? So that's one example. Then he has like a geothermal heat sink um, that he uses for the heat pump for the house. And then on top of that, he has like foam insulation in the walls. And then he's got like, what else? Um, I don't know. He's got solar panels in his yard. Um, So when you mix all this shit together, um, basically the need for outside grid electricity is just essentially if like the... um, everything else for some reason breaks or some shit, right? Like it otherwise works really well. So he doesn't need even natural gas. 
um, even though that's relatively inexpensive comparatively. Well, yeah, did he um, do it just because he has the money or did he do it because he's interested in saving the environment or like what was his purpose behind it? Um, he likes the sort of like independence angle, right? The same way right. Bitcoin speaks to some people. Yeah, uh, All of these technologies speak to kind of like being, uh, it's like the libertarian in his mind, like which is him to, he didn't do it as like an environmental thing. Like, Oh, we're going to save the fucking earth or whatever. <laughs> he did it. Cause it's like clearly saves money. Right. Like it's, right. it makes financial sense. And when things make financial sense, well, it's much more straightforward to implement People that. If you're just it. out to save the earth or some shit, like you might actually like, yeah, I don't know. Like your carbon footprint might be double what it should be. Well, that's um, just it. And you might carbon, spend money but... that you shouldn't, right? Like it's a different right. problem. Yeah, I mean, Tesla cars are great, but I mean, you start talking about melting rocks to create batteries and digging up lithium and cobalt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it does more damage than it does good. And and if you look at the energy usage uh, as a total, you know, percentage of how much energy we use and where we use the energy cars is like 16 percent, and that's the main focus right now this administration yeah, oil oh. has amazing energy density right the oh, density yeah, is the issue right. and the amount of like uh oil needed to get copper out of the ground is remarkable i think i i, I retweeted somebody's post about that recently about copper mining and um, if you like, yeah, search my feed or whatever and like type copper or something. It's an amazing, uh, like good uh, Twitter thread where it goes over like how much shit goes into copper mining and the, the petrochemicals and everything else to extract copper to make your cool little electric cars and whatever. It's an interesting, um, it really is an interesting uh, well, yeah, process. Don't they a ton of copper for each electric car? Oh, yeah. Like, well, between the lithium and the copper and everything else, like, uh, like, yeah, the idea that it's somehow earth friendly to electrify everything means we have to strip mine the shit out of this planet, right? This is not a minor endeavor at all, right? It's, it's, it's a lot of strip mining, oh, yeah. <laughs> like a, a lot, lot. Um, and in the process, uh, you know, who knows how much like, um, like, um, like I, I guess sequestered uh, carbon and other natural gases you end up emitting from the ground as you do this. Right. So exactly. it's like, who the hell knows <laughs> Like yeah. what the net, like is, are these things a net benefit to humanity or not? It remains to be seen. I think right. I think really knows. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get Tesla's because they like the technology and they think it's cool and whatever else. It's not just because of an electric car. Um, at least some people I've talked to, they're just like, I just yeah. think it's a badass car. No, they are pretty badass in many ways. Like, so I'm not uh, downplaying that at all. It's interesting tech for sure. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's like anything. It's like if if all these different technologies coalesce into something, right? Um, the real cost savings is when your AI driven car for your neighborhood is able to work like the whole day, twenty four seven, as opposed to only the one little trip you make to your office and back, right? Like the way we own cars is just idiotic. We own them like we own a horse and we stick it in our little stable in our garage. And like most of the day, it doesn't do fucking anything, right? Like for anybody, it just sits there doing nothing. There you go. Gave me a new idea. Yeah. You own a a group of uh, apartments or whatever it is. And uh, instead of, 
you know, as part of the rent or the HOA fee, you just have a, a fleet of automatic driving cars that exactly. take people where they got to go, right? Exactly. Like, and you meet the supply meets the demand or whatever. But the moment you say this kind of stuff, like the people that are all about, like, I don't know, like take the Harley Davidson crowd, right? Like they're going to be like, you're assaulting our independent lifestyle and you're, <laughs> you're, you're part of the, some kind of world economic forum and you're trying to make sure everyone has nothing and all this kind of shit. Right. So that's, that's the dialogue that. that will go down. Yeah. Right? I was going to say that cause you sound like Charles. Oh, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Klaus Schwab. You, nobody <laughs> will own anything. <laughs> <laughs> you own anything and you're going to like it. <laughs> right. 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 Um, yeah, it's funny. Cause like that comes from someone that owns a lot of sh- extraneous shit too. Like, you know, like, so I do exactly. like all my shit. Like, you know, it's, well, don't you think it's so fucking stupid that everybody that comes to flies to Switzerland or Geneva, wherever they go to talk about how everybody else is polluting the earth, fly there in their private jets and then say how fucked up it is that we aren't doing our part. <laughs> yeah, I, I think ultimately the, the, the deflation, the deflationary nature of tech, um, you know, creates like all sorts of efficiencies in some places. Um, so I, I, the, the solution for the like energy problem essentially is in initially is dramatically higher efficiency, but the problem is, and a lot of people that like, um, look at the peak oil theory have pointed this out quite extensively is, uh, is this problem Jevons paradox. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but like just Google J E V O N, uh, apostrophe S paradox. And the paradox goes something like this. Uh, if the cost of so if you make something way more efficient, like, for example, if car- cars became more efficient over time, right, are you going to drive more or are you going to drive less if it costs you less to, like, drive somewhere, right? Like, let's say the, the, the cost of getting from here to your vacation is drops by 50% because it's more efficient. Are you going to take more vacations or less vacations? The data clearly shows you're going to take more vacations. The cheaper it is to like take an airplane trip or something like that, you're going to use it more. So while you get efficiency out of like when, when you make things more efficient, whether it's fuel efficient or like your home's energy efficiency, then you immediately say to yourself, oh, look, I could build a bigger home because like, like you know, I have, you know, I'm, I'm efficiency rich or whatever. Like I can, I can afford it now. Right. So, um, like, for example, I have a very energy efficient home. It has like hydronic heated floor. It's got like a, like a gas boiler that will like heat the entire floor for the winter. It keeps the, 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 the um, heating costs of my house for an equivalent size house is probably about 50% lower um, than it would be otherwise um, uh, for my you know, pretty sizable house. And it has other things like... Um, uh, uh, you know, like really like, I don't have to run the heater um, the regular heater system in the house during the winter because the hydronic floor handles the whole thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, with insulation and everything else, like both the summer and winter, um, heating and cooling are not bad, right? They're not. Um, and even then like the prices have gone up and I've noticed them, but like, if you take an equivalent house, similar to my size house with all that efficiency shit in it, it's going to cost you double on your power bill, um, your electric and gas. Um, but so, but what happens is, is you get used to those prices, right? Like you, like if you live in a house that's that efficient, that becomes the new norm for you. Right. So if you move somewhere and, and you're like you move into a, a different city or something and you don't have that same amount of efficiency, 
like you could see compared to my house to somewhere else, you might see a four X increase in your utility bills, right? It's a big difference. So I have gotten used to whatever power I use and I spend my money on other shit because even though I saved it, right? Like, cause I, I didn't spend as much on like, electricity and gas to heat and cool my place. I, and then, then I probably go and spend my money on other stupid shit somewhere else, right? Like it doesn't mean I save every penny of it. Cause I now, so just because you have efficiency doesn't mean that you're not going to like, I don't know, blow your load somewhere else, and like, uh, create more, um, uh, you know, I don't know, like whether it's global warming, whatever the fuck people want to control. So efficiency like leads to Jevons paradox and it leads to more usage of a thing like petrochemicals, not less. And that's been pretty typical across the history of, uh, of the petrochemical industry ever since like refined, uh, since refined oil came about in Pennsylvania back in whatever, I forget what year it was now. <laughs> like, uh, it, ever since that, like uh, Jevons paradox has held for the oil market. Um, the cheaper and the more efficient, like uh, cars, and uh, the more efficient they became, the more people used oil, not less. Um, and yeah, yeah so efficiency true. won't solve it. Yeah, no, that, that that definitely makes sense. I'll have to look into that paradox more. I looked, I looked it up. It looks interesting. I, uh, I but I totally agree. It makes sense too. Um, yeah, it's a simple idea. The, the more efficient something becomes, right? The more people it. use that thing. Sure. And and that's the that's the hypocritical thing about the United States. Like, you know, now that all these other countries and seven billion people are starting to be able to have cars and do all this stuff. Now we're like, oh, no, you can't do that. You have to change the way you live, even though we've been living this way for how many years? You know, it's just uh, I think the rest of the world just missed that heyday to a large extent. Like, I don't think most of those most of the world is going to catch up to that. Commodities prices, um, if you try to get everyone to drive a car are going to just completely skyrocket, right? Just think about how much strip mining happens just to handle the appetites of us morons. Like oh, yeah. if the whole world does the same thing, there just won't be enough. Like commodities well, prices just price yeah. everyone out. If everybody lives the way like we live, like <laughs> the world's fucked, man. Like, so we yeah. have to change and the rest of the world have to adapt to however we can efficiently do this and live on this earth and share the space and do all that stuff. But it, uh, yeah, it's kind of happening to some extent, naturally. Um, it's like forcing these things is probably pointless to some extent. It just sort of, it happens like, well, yeah, it's a free market. It's going to happen naturally. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 Like, like if, if you're, if your heating and cooling bill is going to cost you like, I don't know, um, you know, 1200 or you know, to $2,000 a month, you're going to make some choices about which house you buy. <laughs> like, you know, and it has exactly. nothing to do with what the government does or doesn't say about it or whoever you're going to make choices in that environment. Um, and it's not going to be to buy the biggest house in the market. You're going to be like, all right, kids, all you little rascals need to all sleep in the same bedroom. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I'm not paying like two grand for fucking heating and air or whatever. Right. Like you're all right. sleeping in that room. <laughs> <laughs> At least you have a roof over your head. Right. Like this idea of like, it's funny, like the, the modern suburban house where like each kid has their own little room and all that is pretty foreign in most countries. Like oh, in most yeah. countries, you have multiple kids sleeping in one room or whatever, and you liked it. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Even people that come over the border and not that they have any money after they cross the border. But I mean, they're used to sleeping in in uh, one room with like eight people. You know, I mean, it's just that's how they kind of grew up. And. I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting though. I, 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 when I was growing up, every kid had their own room. It's just ridiculous. We got a, you know, a 5,000 square foot house with six bedrooms or whatever. It's just, it's, it's insane. 
Yeah, like there's no question like um the 80s, I would say like sort of like the 70s, 80s, 90s became like one of the most sort of like profligate and prosperous times in the history of the human race in the West. Um it was like really 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 I guess like you were fortunate to grow up along that arc in that space. Like just imagine like uh when I was a kid you know, I, in school, I had like, um, I don't know, like some of the first uh, Apple II personal computers or whatever. And I got to sit around and play with the thing for years at a time programming. I don't know what, like just learning basic and this, that, and the other thing. And, um, you know, most of the world hadn't touched a computer for many years after that, right? Like physically laid hands on one. So like the amount of... um like to say that you got a head um is an understatement like if you were if you were growing up in the 80s or 90s uh and you were not successful for some reason where you had like literally public libraries with computers that were available and all this like either you're just not that smart or you just made no fucking effort whatsoever and one of those two things is probably true but like if you couldn't become wealthy in the Western world with those kinds of things available, like like I don't know what else to tell you. You're just like you just weren't that smart. And that's fine. And you know, not everyone's really, you know, some kind of like intellectual or whatever. But like it's amazing how much um you had available. My mother used to drop me off. Casey, like I don't know what your parents did with you when you were like kid, but like my mother would be like, All right, I gotta go to work. You co stay at the library. <laughs> like you know and so like quote unquote volunteering at the library would be like helping the librarian for an hour and they babysit my ass there for the next rest of the day right like for the weekend so i would just sit and read books the entire weekend like i mean we're talking like jane's all the world's aircraft i would get through the whole fucking book i don't know if you've seen that book before but it's like it's a massive ass book right like you get like and then like you you take out entire swaths of the fiction section you would read like, I don't know, fucking Chilton auto repair manuals because that shit was in the library. And you're like, huh, I wonder like, you know, how to fix a Volkswagen or whatever. Like, like <laughs> there was nothing you couldn't learn if you sat at a library for eight hours a day. Right. Like, like Definitely. that's what my babysitter was, was sitting in a library for the whole fucking day. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, I definitely had the library as my babysitter a couple of times. That's for sure. I was yeah, born. Mine was mine wasn't even a couple of times. It was the whole fucking summer. Like you know, every weekend was okay. Here, go hang out at the library. And the teachers did. I mean, the this, the the librarians didn't care. They're like, well, you know, it wasn't bothering anybody. And like you know, it was before when everyone was worried about like everyone getting worried about like who's going to child molest my kid and who's going to kidnap my kid. Time right now, it's like, oh no, don't leave your kid at the library. You know, blah blah blah. blah right. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. That's funny. Uh, but that funny was what it was like back then before the fucking Adam Walsh FBI stories and all that garbage on TV. Everyone starts thinking that they're that every like human being is a child predator and whatever, like it became like sociopathic. Oh, 
Yeah, totally TV's fault. Some shit like yeah. Yeah, okay. totally TV's fault, right? But probably ninety nine percent of people are perfectly fine. But like yeah. the, the rare chance your kid's gonna get kidnapped. Oh, my little Timmy is so special. He can't stay at the library. He might get kidnapped. Like fuck. Well, like, yeah, it's true. But <laughs> I mean, look at how it's affected the Christian church. It's like Christianity um, numbers have dropped by fifty percent, mostly because people are worried about their kids being molested by a priest or something. I don't know if that's it. I mean, maybe yeah. people are just less religious nowadays too but it's crazy it's, it's a mixture of all of that probably but yeah it's a weird like uh it, it's a weird tendency and um yeah like so many resources it's amazing like uh if you go to a public library like i bet you anything uh, quimmer is from in nigeria and stuff like i bet you if you plop down a like a standard public library that we have in the united states right in any major city or even small towns um, like we have, like even in moderate sized towns, there's multiple libraries, you know, public libraries. Oh, yeah. If you drop those in, in, a, in a, a country like Africa, you probably have tons of users of that thing, right? Like, you know, they would show up and check out all the books and sit there, and read them or whatever. It's like, oh, look, free books. Like, well, like what the fuck? And uh, like in the United States, the difference is like nobody uses them. It's like, oh, my kid's too good for books or whatever. No, like, I don't know. Kids go to the library, they go and sit on the computer and play games the whole time. And they're, you know. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. They started putting all the entertainment stuff there, too, for because people ask for it but people don't even go for that either it's like right um, have, no, I like, mean, books still have a lot of a lot of uh good uh, stuff in them it's not the internet only there's definitely some yeah you know, like you, it's like a, it's a totally the you can lead a horse to water but you can't make a drink argument like, like right. people think their iq is like you know off the charts but they haven't learned to you know like like there, there's like uh, a, you can learn to code on your fucking phone by connecting a keyboard to it now, right? Like you, you could like literally do anything with your phone. How mm -hmm. many people actually learn to do anything with it of any serious substance? Very few, right? Like so, um, yeah. but it's not like a lack of tech where your kids didn't have the option to do it. Like most people just choose just to waste their time on the internet, as we know. Well, it's a lack. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. distractions are the problem, right? I mean, people get distracted too easily by watching movies or doing something and else. It's, and it's fun and everything. I think we all enjoy it. But like, sure. I think if you lived before the devices, um, and you you exactly. like did those things, it's you mm -hmm. appreciate the tech more than if you had it all your life to some extent. Well, yeah, and and people like. I can't believe how many people you talk to if they're on their phone, they can't even hear the rest of the world around them. I mean, I've lived with a phone and without a phone. And I like, even if I'm using my phone, I still pay attention to what's going on around me or what somebody's saying. It's not like I can't hear anything. It's crazy. Like you're saying people like you're, you're, they're zoning out. Like they don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, they literally are just, right so, I mean, any kid or anything, you got to basically slap them in the back of the head. To oh get no, I've been cyber bullied. <laughs> right oh my yeah. god yeah crazy it's like it's a new meaning to the word pussy like what the fuck like what do you mean you've been cyber bullied what does that even mean like oh like these funny little twitter trolls like made fun of you for whatever oh my All god you gotta do is put your fucking phone down <laughs> and it takes care of it but, but, yeah, i don't know yeah, yeah like definitely... i think most of us got our ass whipped once or twice in the playground right that's the thing like yeah you know, so like they've eliminated all forms of like controversy or like um whatever on the playground so it's like you know when you take a beating in in the real world it's like uh oh you just don't know what it feels like anymore <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, like a soft culture or whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah definitely something yeah like like, like if you got if you got dropped off at the library for eight hours though you probably got it you know you started paying attention wait who's going to kidnap me right let me go stay over here <laughs> like you know when you have to be alone you learn quickly 
um, how to take care of yourself. Don't you think? Yeah. And if you don't, then, uh, then that, that solves the problem of idiots, you know, like, I mean, that that's kind of the problem with humanity nowadays. I'm in a wheelchair. I shouldn't even be alive probably because of, you know, I mean, it's survival, the fittest type shit. I mean, it's kind of interesting what is going to happen to the human culture because we don't have that thing anymore that automatically gets rid of stupid people or people that are disabled or whatever. I'm, I'm in a wheelchair, so I can say that, but you know, I don't know. It's, it's got to affect the way uh, the future, you know, comes to be kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, w- one thing about the consumer economy is it has made it way easier to be handicapped, for sure. No question about it, right? Like, if you think about oh, it, definitely. like, it is way harder to be handicapped in a lot of other countries than it is in the United States, for sure. For fuck, like, yeah, I can, absolutely I can for say sure. that for sure, dude. I just came from Greece. Sure. There's no sidewalk, sidewalk cutouts. There's no laws that say you have to have a bathroom a certain way. It's fucked up, man. Yeah, people get like, uh, yeah, if you become handicapped one day, you'll realize like how many different features are in buildings in America to like make it easier. Um, so like e- even the house that uh, I just designed with my brother, um, like one of the bathrooms, we automatically made it um, sort of handicapped capable so that you can roll the wheelchair in and whatever, because like um, that way, at least one bathroom on the first floor has like full capability because you never know what the fuck's going to happen to you. Right. Like, so you kind of preserve your independence later on in life exactly. and you don't have those components. It's, it's hard to retrofit them afterwards. Like, especially like if your doorways are the wrong width or whatever, right. Or so you're saying you didn't turn it for me, you put it in there for yourself later on. Yeah. Well, you can come <laughs> visit, I suppose, but no, I mean, just seriously, like, like no, whether true. it's any one of your family members, right. Needs that for some reason. Um, it's not that hard to, to design that into a bathroom, although it does spend more square footage. So if you're like yeah. in Europe where like every square footage is super pricey or Manhattan or something, right? right. It's much harder to afford that shit. Yeah. That's what my parents did though. I mean, they, they, uh, I mean, they, they built it with me in mind too, but they, they realized, Hey, if they want to retire and become old in this house, they need to have it accessible enough so they can continue living here. If something happens. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, we did like, in that design, we did at least one bathroom with um, that that's fairly accessible, right? But it's also the which what's the least uh, what's the path of most difficult resistance? So you you have to have at least one entry door somewhere that's capable. Otherwise, like even if your bathroom's perfect, you, there's other parts that you can't navigate, right? So it's like Definitely. there's always some like piece of the puzzle that if you don't. Um, but they know yeah, some things can the be retrofitted or nothing, man. That's I just got to push it at the lowering, you know, lower place I can reach it. So yeah, there's always still yeah. challenges. But no, it's yeah, you know I, I found this interesting. So I was talking to this lady, a journalist on the airplane, coming back to Missoula the other day, and and uh, uh, you know we see social justice with race, we see social justice with uh, sexuality choice. I don't see any sort of social justice or whatever people marching on the Capitol uh, for wheelchair handicap accessibility. Like nobody gives a fuck about us. And and, and I kind of made a joke. I'm like, well, I guess that's because I, guys in wheelchairs can't march on the Capitol. That's why we don't have any social justice for people in wheelchairs. But I just thought it was funny. It's just, it's interesting though know, that that's not a thing, you know? Hey, listen, man, fix your fucking legs and go do whatever. Like, stop yeah. bitching, Casey. What the fuck right. the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. 
it's no, like... it's just interesting. I just I, I find yeah. that oh, it's funny. It's a uh, it's definitely I don't know. People are bitching about equal rights for everybody else, but the people that are differently abled. I I don't like the word disabled, but I'm not sensitive, so you can say whatever the fuck you want. But no, it's it's definitely interesting. Whatever. It's like you you understand what people say when they when they what they what they mean or whatever, right? Yeah, like, yeah. All the like language triggering is kind of silly. No, exactly. I mean, I just don't understand how you're supposed to know what every word triggers the other person. Like, I don't know what the hell your background is or whatever. Like, I, I just, I don't take things very seriously in that respect. Like, I'm not going to be triggered and have somebody else control my emotions every single fucking day. Yeah, like I, I get really upset with the speed limit signs because they use the word speed and limit. <laughs> right and they, they trigger me and i get very upset about the like i don't know because oh, it's, it's stupid because i'm kind of slow and it's implying that i'm you know not fast enough or something and it's trying to put limits on me which <laughs> uh, is trying to control my freedom uh right. which you know my claustrophobia or something won't allow or something you know like yeah just, no it's stupid <laughs> I, you know, just just get over it man like uh, if you don't like it just you know I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to tell people how to control their emotions when they have no control over their emotions. And I don't know. It's it's definitely an interesting world we live in nowadays. So um, but uh, yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I think in general, most people are pretty normal. Like just the there's these fringe people that are like um, but no, you're right. they make interesting news and clickbait and stuff. So they tend to permeate. There's certain things that permeate the culture because of the clickbait based um, environment that we live in That's in true. terms of like what content tends to reach you and like mm-hmm. what content tends to go viral um, on the internet. So I don't think it represents usually like the general um, population, the vast majority of which have uh, are fairly moderate in their general views, I think. I agree. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why, you know, I mean, I don't want to trigger anybody by saying the Trump word, but Hey, uh, that's how he got elected. People, every like news. If you, if you watch the news and the media, you would think that the guy had no shot in hell of ever getting elected because everybody was triggered by the guy, but then all of a sudden he gets elected because the, the, the media, the liberal media doesn't represent every single person in America. It barely doesn't even represent half apparently uh, or about half. I, I know uh, the electoral college made it possible, but anyway, it's, it's just, although crazy. I also, well, another thing I kind of find funny on, on the subject of politics, um, I find it funny that you can sort of say, okay, well, um, a guy like Trump has a gajillion flaws or whatever. And look at that. He said this and he did this and he did that. Um, and then like your best candidate is Biden. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, you know, like, like, like he's an imbecile, like, like verifiably he's done nothing really remarkably useful his entire career. Like the, 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 the guy, besides the fact that he's like quasi demented or whatever you want to call him now, like, I don't know. It seems like uh, the the like I don't know. No, I mean, if you're going to be the party of scientists or science or something like I don't know, like like throw in a candidate that's like like I don't know, like it, so. If you're a uh, 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 Republican America, you have certain things to be embarrassed about. If you have if you're a Democrat in America, you have certain mm-hmm. things to be embarrassed about. 
but the but I think uh, the the way that the media works, um, the like what gets attention makes it so that rational people are going to be like, fuck this. I'm not running for president. Right. Like <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. It seems right? like, it. so like it's com- like you would have to be fucking insane to run because it's like uh, the destructive effect it's liable to have on a normal family, the destructive effect it's likely to have. Um, yeah. Like just on your personal security. Um, the amount of ranting and raving that's going to go on for someone who's legitimately a good person, uh, for whatever reason, like, you know, you know, like, oh, you're anti this or you're anti that. There's going to be something, right? Like you're going to piss off everybody. So you just have to end up having a thick skin and, um, like, but at the same time, like, uh, the kind of, so a rational person who would run for say president, um, would not be able to tolerate the complete irrationality of the public square, right? Like, just like look at Twitter spaces when it comes to, I don't know, like governance on blockchain and stuff. And you look at the drama, it's just hilarious. That's what, who you're dealing with in the general public, right? Who the hell wants to run for that shit? Right? Like, fuck that. Like, you know, like, uh, you know how miserable it must be to, to, you know, be the president today. It's just, Oh yeah. It's just nonsense at this point. Yeah. Like, did you, did you happen to catch that, uh, that Pennsylvania debate against, you know, Dr. Oz and that other, the other guy? I can't know. What, what, what was it about? Well, it, the one dude from Pennsylvania, the, uh, the, uh, Democrat that, uh, just had a stroke. I mean, the guy, he had a hard time putting words together. And then you got a TV doctor, Dr. Oz. That's, you know, like he's qualified to run for a Republican party. Cause he's been on TV. Like and he's a doctor. I mean, he's probably pretty smart. I mean, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I never oh, watched. Is, is, is he running stuff. for office? Yeah. He's running for the Senate in uh, Pennsylvania. But okay. I mean, the one dude uh, that had a stroke, he couldn't even, you know, string sentences together. He, uh, they had to have some sort of, um, uh, board behind these, the, uh, the speakers that, uh, put the words on there because he, he couldn't understand what they were saying. Like, it was just crazy shit. I'm like, it, it, I felt bad for the guy because it was just so now, irre- but like, this is the thing, like the number of people that, you know, want to enter some kind of public service position when all you're going to get is sh- like shit for it. Um, you're going to narrow it down to like, just true, not like, just crazy people is the only people going to run at that point. Right. Like, you know, so like, it's like, you'd have to be willing to enter the loony bin and be loony for the rest of your life in order to enter this thing. Right. Like it makes no sense. Yeah. At all. And, and if I wanted a job where I had to uh, stand up all day and walk around, Hey, get, Hey man, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm in a wheelchair. I can't walk. So if you can't, you know, like even string words together or, uh, write law and, and do these kind of things. Like, I don't think you're qualified for the job. Yeah. Not that politicians write any laws anyway. It's pretty much written by think well, tanks now in the United yeah, States. But they, they're, they're mostly just communicators. Right. And if you, yeah, can, they're you, mostly you, just communicators. Yeah. They're just right. like there to like uh, form coalitions and go and like vote for various like bills and stuff that think tanks mostly. write. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're not sitting there writing all the shit. That's all their, you know, paralegals or whatever else they got under their under their hand or yeah a lot of times like the congressmen and the senators don't even read the bills and stuff it's the office staff that like 
divides up the hundred thousand page bill into little sections like okay and then they just like break it down for him and disseminate yeah you kind of have to have someone break it down for you it's almost like um it's like the crypto space right you're like um i didn't read the full adam 2.0 white paper i have no fuck what it means but i'm gonna come on spaces and see what sefi says about it and maybe you're here So um, it's almost like, yeah, even in the crypto space, like you see this problem, right? You go to vote on some chain thing and you're like, I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if I should be voting yes or no. I don't know if I should just simply be abstaining. Um, like even yeah, after I've read this, I have no idea if it's good or bad or like who the fuck's going to program this thing. They should almost ask you like pre, you know, pre-voting questions to make sure you have any idea what you're talking about, you know, like some sort of check to make sure you read this stuff. Something. Yeah. Like a little quiz or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just say, Hey, you can get, you get three out of four, right? At least you got some sort of fucking knowledge. <laughs> I don't know. Like something. Yeah, at least. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, it's funny. Cause like, um, the people that have gotten into crypto more recently who are kind of newbies, um, and we're all newbies to some extent because like there's always something new you haven't done, like getting into like governance or dealing with like um, legal events, like, you know, what happened to Voyager or like whatever the hell it is. Right. Like you're learning all sorts of stuff that's new that you, you wish you never had to learn. <laughs> so you're yeah. like, Hmm, I just threw my money in this thing. So my money would go up. And now like I'm learning how to like, form a council to fucking like form. Um, I don't know what, because like, I don't know what, right. Like, I, like some of the things I'm doing this year, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing these things? Like, why am I in this? And like, how did I get stuck in this? And that kind of thing. It's very funny. Um, like uh, things that like two years ago, you're like, you would scratch your head going, wait, why would I go do that? Like, <laughs> like totally. yeah, just like the, the rabbit hole is super, super, um, deep and it just, yeah. It, yeah you kind of yeah if you're involved in crypto you kind of get sucked down in either way one way or another um yeah voyager steals yeah. all your money you yeah a, a good example is like um okay you hung out on twitter space a little bit maybe you should volunteer to serve on the um this emergency funds council thing whatever and i'm like uh oh with the whole uh, luna thing yeah with the, so i was like hmm okay fine right like why not right like how hard could it be it was a shit <laughs> and then there's it? like wait there's tons of spreadsheets involved and i've got to go and check and see if these people have like you know posted content on github and and then i gotta do this and i gotta do that and i'm like what the fuck this is a job like nobody's paying me for this nonsense like why am i doing it again like you know like <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a very funny um like process and and you wind up getting yourselves into things that take a lot of a lot of work and then you realize wait a minute like uh I didn't spend this much time on my local community homeowners association and Perfect. here I am fucking around with you morons like you know figuring out your money. where this money is going to go that I'm not going to make anything off of. Right very funny yeah i know i remember you talking about i don't know if that has anything to do with like governance at all but i mean i know you're talking about how how big yeah. a governance is in crypto and it kind of sounds like the same kind of subject yeah it's well it's like uh you're you're in like a small council and you have to allocate funds and you know like some people in the team in the little group are developers some people are project managers some people i'm gonna are, disagree with you there just, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you're going to disagree. Hold on. But that, so like in a group of five people, you have five people with very different um, sort of knowledge bases. So we sort of rely on each other to sort of like, you know, see if these things pass a sniff test. And then if they seem to have um, like done their due diligence or whatever, then we'll disperse these funds. Um, and hopefully the the money is used effectively and I doubt it, but you know, whatever the case may be. And, uh, but yeah, like it's an interesting process and there's a lot of guessing involved. Honestly, it's, um, there's nothing more difficult than handing out funds for things. Um, I don't know if well, it's not nothing more difficult. It's, it's a lot more difficult than it looks. And certainly you question along the way, wait, am I doing this right? Like, you know, um, but like, how did I get involved? It's like, cause I don't know. Cause like I met a lot of people on Twitter and they're like, okay, you go do this work. And I'm like, all right, fine. Fuck. Why not? And, um, <laughs> you know what? I haven't done this before. Let's try it. it. It turned out to be one of those type of things. So whatever. Hey, Jimmy, <laughs> you're back. Well, I'll be very honest. I'm surprised that you're still what? hosting this space. I'm what? surprised that you're still talking so so very much. I have to say, I called you out. I said, you're a loser. I am okay? a loser. My wife is at work this evening, and I don't have anything fucking better to do than to hang out here. So I'm like, well, whatever. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, chill with well, you guys for a little while. I don't know what you mean by the you guys, because I said that one time in a space, I was called a racist. So I'm going to call you racist. That's racist. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, what I have to say is this. You know what? We got a problem with our education systems. Too many peoples be smoking marijuanas. <laughs> and are you going to solve this problem, Jimmy? Well, yes, I am. So I'm sure you've heard um, John Lunsdale, the founder, one of the founders of Palantir and Adapar. He has recently opened a new university in the university in Texas. And there are people who are opening Minds up, you know, trying to bring manufacturing back to the United States. These are the new pioneers of this great country. And the reason why is because they're not smoking marijuanas. Okay. I have dealt with too many people in this life using the excuse of remote working to smoke marijuanas all day. Right. And this is the problem of America. Everyone's high on the marijuanas. You know, you mentioned Palantir, and I was like, you know what? Let me go see what happened to Palantir stock because I own some of it. But Man, it's not really Palantir important stock because those done guys have founded most of most of my crypto yeah, but, has. <laughs> but uh, Teal, uh, Lunsdale, and the others founded many other companies, and they sold most of their Palantir stock ages ago. Oh, I don't sure. think they also don't have any or operational control of the company anymore. It's a relatively old company, two thousand. Yeah. Nine, I think, something like that. When I first yeah, got Palantir, I was largely the exit liquidity in this case. I think. How does that feel? It feels good. What are you going to do, right? Because I know the military is using much better systems than Palantir right now. Palantir was just the first iteration of of, of Facebook for terrorists. <laughs> That's funny. Why is that funny? Why do you find that humorous? Do you think I'm a clown? Do I amuse you? You amuse me, Jimmy. You very <laughs> much do. You know that. That's just why you're here. I don't know that. I don't like to hear that. Anyway, 
I mean, there are, I'm building, for example, a drone company for the military right now. Um, it's a patrol drone company. Uh, majority of time, people in the military spend patrolling and guard duty. So it's going to be to replace soldiers. I believe in the automation of warfare as the end of war. And unfortunately, Palantir doesn't have very much to do with it. It was very useful for essentially internal data science. So your large SQL database. By the way, your sense on automation of warfare is that it represents what? A mutually assured destruction situation. So therefore, like nobody wants to use it. No, America will just win at the end because we will produce the cheapest way of waging warfare against other countries, which is just to say, we're just going to have other countries fight other countries with very cheap drones and other forms of robots until essentially there's so much chaos in these countries that we easily control everything. There's no more like regional powers anymore. There's no more national powers anymore is just america and its allies last man standing okay. all the drones will be made in china but they aren't though they aren't, they aren't like oh, they won't be they aren't Not anymore and and a, a lot there are a lot of drones made in america now for example there's a drone that goes around and tasers uh school shooters just type in taser drone oh, that's fucking dope yeah but the thing is is that uh publicly the board of ethics on that company resigned and they stopped selling it. But then they set up a new company <laughs> and they're going to sell it that way instead. Because think about it. Casey, you're a school shooter. You seem like one. You watch too much porn. You play too many video games. Casey's going to uh, roll into a school in his wheelchair and like take everyone out. <laughs> That's right. Using the and using so the handicap. Why do I need police no officers? The fact is, I mean, uh, most people are cowards, right? So what happened in Texas was in the school shooting. I think twenty five police officers showed up. None of them wanted to go in and take out the gunman. The gunman um, had a, I believe, an AR fifteen, and had six hundred rounds of ammunition. If I'm not mistaken, the gunman would be unable to take out a taser drone with his AR-15. He would be taken out. The question is, who runs the drone? School, police force, or some type of agency comes in and runs the drone? Who wants the liability? Who wants the liability for it? And that's an example. There are other drones that have been recently released that I'm um, I'm part of. Um, For example, drones that uh, kill other drones it's a very popular option nowadays, becoming more popular by the day. There's other types of kamikaze drones. I'm building patrol drones, as I said. So basically, it's uh, the unique advantage of our drone system is that uh, it patrols with larger battery charges, and then it uses gliders and parachutes to stay over large areas. And it'd be able to automatically recharge and dock, then go back on patrol and start sending. Um, identification if there is an area where people are moving around so these types of new surveillance drones are going to be the future i think that drone swarms are kind of ridiculous to be honest because drone swarms uh can be taken out too easily um anytime you're very obviously like drones are useful because of the 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 surprise factor the surprise Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. because kamikaze drones come out of nowhere and you can only hear them a couple seconds where they 
de detonate. What makes them useful is that they're cheaper than the alternative. So if a missile tries to target a kamikaze drone, the missile itself costs 10x more than the kamikaze drone. Kamikaze drones have a small motor, some wiring, some onboard bread systems, stewed with Raspberry Pi and a wing, maybe some kind of a camera system. That's it. Russia's using those right now, right? But they're probably a little bit more advanced. They're using Iranian drones called the Shahid drone. 20000 a pop. The Iranians are sending them all they can. And uh, the, the Ukrainians have American um, anti-drone technology that basically fizzles out the signal. So what happens is the Shahid drone, it goes autonomous within a kilometer of its target. The target is locked on by a human. And then by being autonomous, there's no more signal from drone to human. So if it tries to fry or overpower the 2.4 gigahertz frequency from drone to human, it will naturally set off a rebound or rebasing function inside the Raspberry Pi, where it can no longer communicate and it has to go back down to ground. But by making it automatically autonomous within a certain reach, which is the same reach as anti-drone technology, it's able to then hit the target without having to send back any frequency to the end user. So the problem drone swarms is that if you can hear them from a mile away, cause they're fucking loud and there's no way of reducing that by the way, making things in the wind less loud is not really that easy. Um, and you can easily detect them because you know what, there's like 50 of them. It means that you can also easily destroy them too. All you need is a drone with a net to fucking swipe them all up and kill them. Right. Um, there are drones called the Black... Look at... Just type in Google Black Hornet drone. But it's at the a same very time, small in order hand. to take out a drone swarm, you'd have to have that defense system in place ready to go, right? So Everyone has them now who's in a war zone. It's um, becoming way, quite common. Yeah, to have these... Because we're sending them. We're, spent, we're sending the Ukrainians huge amounts of anti-drone technology, right? The, the devices, the handheld anti-drone drones or um, other types of more uh, classified technology, which I'm aware of. And um, it's just these kamikaze drones come out of nowhere. They do immediate 90 degree downward spiral up to the top of a, of a tank, hitting the tank from the top. Um, or they shoot a device out of the kamikaze drone within 100 meters. So even if you hit the drone, you're not going to hit the projectile coming out of the drone. Right. Hmm. So, um, you know, it means that war is changing, but um, what we need is to get a lot more of these drones out. So I'm super positive on autonomous uh, drones, which are networked together to be able to interact as bots. Right. So you just download a bot. These are just drones on a system. You have your own system. Could be a bot on a blockchain. Could be in terms of how you interact with it. And then these bots are basically connected together. You tell it to patrol an area or kill anything in that area. Cows, people, doesn't matter. <laughs> and then it does its job. And that's the future. And I like this future because I am tired of sending American men to fight wars that little boys in Ukraine can fight if they themselves can't fight those wars for themselves. America is too special of a nation. Give an example. Don't ask, don't tell. Our gays are too precious to sacrifice. The life 
of seven Americans is worth the life of one gay man because they're too precious to sacrifice him more. That's an example. Hey, so the only mm. drone swarms <laughs> that sound like they're worth a damn are the ones that they uh, they do the, like the fireworks show at night, except it's with drones, right? It's like a light show. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch. Hey, they, they, they look cool. But um, yeah, one interesting thing, too, I found is uh, obviously this they do this through the GPS, but I was on a cruise the other day and my my cruise ship had its own anti fly zone around the cruise ship at all times. Like you couldn't take off with my DJI or anything like that. It was crazy. Sure. Um, that the DJI has a frequency. If you block that frequency, um, DJI mu- must by law follow that frequency. And it means it cannot take off. Interesting. You can force- change the frequency by opening up the dji there are ways to modify just type in modify dji uh-huh. um you can then change the frequency so that it you can still do it it doesn't but now you're changing it to a government frequency every frequency is a government frequency except for 2.4 5 6 i think there's another one that i forgot those are all not or, or anything between 5 and 6 yeah, it's one of the, it's it's those and um, everything else is government cannot touch them by law. Wow. Another area you need to focus on are if someone blocks the frequency. Now it gets very complicated. So I use Hytera digital radios. These are Chinese made radios that encrypt signals. And um, I add them on to the Raspberry Pi. So just type, you know that you can turn them into internet connections, right? So what you do is just type in Hytera HYT, um, how to turn it into an internet modem, whatever it is. You will then find a way of just connecting to your computer. You can turn it into an internet connection. Signals are very weak, though. The more you bounce the radio signal off of different locations so that you bounce radio signals to avoid detection, the weaker, weaker the signals become. The more autonomous the plane needs to be. Then there's issues of VTOL versus basically having it be fixed. Planes that fly as drones versus planes that fly as drones and become helicopters or just helicopter drones. It gets very complicated. My, the drone that I've recently prototyped and just flown a month ago has a parachute to glide over a large area and then it removes parachute. It then starts gliding, it opens up wings. And from a high altitude, it, uh, it basically patrols a five-kilometer area. Um, it has an onboard thermal camera, a night vision camera. And from there, it records information of what it detects. However, it re- the problem... What? I'm sorry to uh, interrupt you. Does, does it reuse a parachute so it can deploy this it multiple times? This is one of the issues. Unfortunately, we have not been able to figure out how to redeploy a parachute. Parachutes, which are uh, have to be found again and reused, or parachutes we add as a, as modular, which you can just add to the top of the drone. There are many problems we're trying to figure out. One is battery time. Loitering is only two hours, which is not a lot. No. Um, that's because it has onboard cameras, like. You turn off the cameras, it could loiter for a long time. Turn on the cameras, it cannot loiter for a long time. And what's so, the range of that? Like how far or does it do it on its own? We have two systems. System one is 16 smaller drones. It goes through an area of 
30 kilometers, uh, 30 square kilometers, it auto docks and recharges. If it detects a threat, it sends a larger drone with an onboard um, critical weapon system that can then target whatever has been found. We have another system that has drones that instead of auto docking at the original station, upon getting close to critical battery levels, go to another docking station that is operated by other drones. So the other drones drop the battery dock to an area that is mobile. And let's say that these drones are just going to be placed in an area where you're going to have them roam around. And from there, it deploys solar panels. The drones automatically set up the solar panels and the dock. Unfortunately, they are not retrieved. Then the rest of the drones that have been loitering return to that new dock. Kind of a more expensive solution. Still a lot of problems with that. Still difficult. Yeah, interesting, though. But it's getting there. I mean, let's be honest. Um, 2019, driverless cars were not really a thing. 2022, driverless cars have been operated 100% safety record in multiple countries, and they're still not legal. Still not legal. They could massively reduce the supply chain constraints, fix our human capital issues. Still yeah, not legal. We, we mentioned that when you were gone. That's part of the conversation that you missed. <laughs> the, yeah. the sheer efficiency that would happen with exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Well, I would say the most important efficiency is not safety. The most important efficiency is reordering and the ability to get reordering timely. Kanban efficiency systems from Japan are efficient because you can predict when it'll arrive. My problem in America... What's a, what's a Kanban? Um, they use it for originally for car manufacturing. They have different cans where you put parts. And then the cans are distributed on time to certain areas. So you take that part that you would need to complete your process. For example, cars. Cars have USB ports, USB-C ports. If the car cannot get the USB-C port on time, it cannot finish. It cannot be, you know, a finished product. Many factories are having issues where it cannot get the USB-Cs from one part of the factory to another part of the factory fast enough to complete certain parts of the car that must have those USB-C ports in order to be completed. I know during the, uh, the trucker protests, uh, Ford and Chevy had a whole lot of issues with supply chain constraints. Um, not that uh, driverless cars could fix that issue. I mean, but still, I understand what you're saying. Um, as long as there's no roadblocks. If or anything, anything I talked to many trucker unions like the Teamsters, and I argued that driverless vehicles will be a boon to the unions. Why? Because driverless vehicles... Um, are not going to be controlled and operated by, you know, Chevy. Driver's vehicles will have a set of mechanics and overseers who will be unions. And unions will suddenly have a lot more power because they could just shut off everything. That is true. Everything. I mean, you take the person out of it and uh, they have way more control, right? Yeah, you, some, they call them scabs could be convinced not to follow through in a strike. You turn it off. It's over. Doubtful that management will want to have control over the systems themselves. I've never seen a management team have a control over an operational system before. Have you? I haven't. 
That'd be uh, be crazy. Definitely give them a lot of power. I support unions. I support American unions because I support the American worker. I vote for Donald Trump, and I believe in the Republican Party. I believe the Republican Party is the workers' party, is the party of the middle class and the blue-collar worker. And I firmly believe that automation will support the blue-collar worker. Automation also removes management. Less managers means more power to the workers. What do you think, though? Because Elon Musk is totally against unions because when they want to shift what they're doing, they don't want to have to go and get approval. And he he creates and has high margins. And I don't know, it, it definitely he definitely makes things work really well without unions. Do you think that's wrong or do you feel like uh, um, it worked for him? I think from the perspective of Elon Musk, he offered a considerable amount of equity upon joining Tesla back in the early days. And this goes contrary to how unions operate, where equity is not an important factor to the incentivization mechanisms. If you offer union members equity, what overrides the union decisions, the equity or the union votes? By offering significant equity, he was able to get people who um, would agree not to join a union, right? And this means that uh, Tesla is, yes, anti-union however there are many companies in the world that do have unions as part of its supply chain and you must admit to me right now tesla is highly dependent on many unions for the supply chain like the teamsters of course so i think for elon musk perspective he already gave them equity what more could they possibly want and a lot of those workers on those factories are rich as fuck millionaires because of him not because of any union right yeah, it just pissed me off because, uh, you know, not that Biden knows what he's doing, but he never invited Biden to the White House to celebrate electric car manufacturers because he was not part of a union. He didn't have union representation. I thought that was absolutely sure. ridiculous. Well, I, I would say this. I remember in the early days, I was almost recruited by Tesla and the pay packet was very low. I was not interested in joining Tesla at the time because I did not want to live in Fresno. Okay, I didn't want to live in Fresno. Now, of course, people did want to live in Fresno, and they didn't care about where they lived, and they joined Tesla anyway because they like the tech. They became rich. But don't forget, they're being paid a lot less than people at Facebook and Google. I mean, like, 50% less. What was the response? The response from the HR person was this. You get to work with Elon Musk. That was the response. So you didn't want to work with Elon Musk? Um, uh, I would say this. I didn't care about the stock. About the stock. Well, at least you know, Tesla stock it, listed really early, dude. It, I mean, Tesla stock listed, wait, what, four years before they produced the first Roadster? I mean, it was ridiculous. It's a relatively old company if you look at it. I made the mistake of not listening to my wife, who actually told me to buy um, a bunch of Tesla stock pretty much at IPO. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I. <laughs> It sounds like a pipe dream, blah, 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 right? I didn't really. Well, doctors are always the worst financial investors. You know that. They're rated as some of the worst financial investors by Charles Schwab. They it's are. known because of their no, arrogance. They, they think they know everything. Yeah, that, that might be true. <laughs> it sounds like Steffi knows everything, too, though. So. Seems so. Well, um, my, but my I wouldn't believe this. Always listen doctor. to your wife. My wife is a doctor. and she, But she's she also a woman. Right idea. <laughs> I always believe this, guys. When you're married, the woman is always right in that case because she can make your life miserable for the rest of your life. 
Yeah, she'll still say right now, oh, you should have bought Tesla, um, blah, 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 blah. Right this is now. what you want to avoid. For anyone who's listening, know this. If you want to avoid his situation, just listen to your wife. <laughs> just do whatever she wants. I mean, I've rarely met a situation during a divorce where the issue was the wife wanted too much. It was usually the issue was the man didn't want to do something that the wife wanted. If the, there's a big difference. For example, the wife wants to buy a house. Right. Rarely have I seen an example of that being a bad financial decision. It just means the man has to work harder. It's a good financial decision, though. The man works harder, makes more money. There's a financial asset. Overall, they're richer on paper. Right. Hmm. Sounds reasonable. <laughs> well, that's the way it works. On, uh, well, I hope you guys didn't buy that Nikola test uh, stock. That would have been no. a rough deal, huh? You know, I uh, currently am in talks with Geely, which is a Chinese EV company, and BYD. BYD just signed a um, a distribution and manufacturing agreement with a Thai company to regionally manufacture and distribute in Southeast Asia. And now all these other Chinese companies are doing it. For example, MG, which is an old English brand, uh, is owned by SAIC. And um, they're a company that produces many types of EV cars. They recently partnered also with a Thai company. And then um, uh, Great Wall Motors, uh, which owns cars like Haval, for example, or Aura Car, makes a lot of EV cars. And they're partnering with a couple uh, companies too. EVs in many of these countries will receive significant subsidies to the point that um, outside of China and the United States, they will be rapidly adopted. The problem is, is the columns. There are not enough columns to charge these cars. Sure. That was what Tesla did. Be honest. Tesla's car sucks a hairy ball sack. Its FSD <laughs> is good. It has columns, though, because if you actually uh, well plugged in your tesla every single night it costs a lot of money if you drive it a lot but if you believe that you can save money by having free uh plugins um and you go to any column anywhere and it's free to charge or you follow their subscription plan which is of course way cheaper than ever plugging in yourself this is a huge boon because anyone can then get free you know fuel in a sense right this is the thing that made tesla unique and this is the thing that is the hardest to copy outside the United States. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they even have charging stations in the middle of Montana out here. It's, it's nuts to see how many they actually have. It's crazy. They um, have always been incredibly well managed. They don't care where the management team is. So as long as they're good at their jobs. For example, their management team from Asia, do you know where they're based? Want to guess? Probably America. New Zealand. Wow. Because they have a lot of experience with scaling up things from a very small team and being able to be super good at hustling. Because New Zealand's a small country and it has a, a, a thriving startup community. And that's what they have to do to basically be competitive. But, and but I mean, uh, that's not fair and stuff. 
do they have somebody actually come out to the people's cars? Cause I know like I've, I've seen a dealership and it wasn't even really a dealership. It was just a, a mall that had two cars in it and, and some information. There wasn't a place to re- repair anything. And I know it, it's going to be like LG. Do you want an LG or Samsung? There's a, being a technician that comes to your house that you have to order online. Right. So it's, yeah, it's just like a phone, huh? Like a phone. Because a mechanic, most mechanics nowadays can't fix those cars anymore. It's too complicated. There's too many fucking things inside. They're basically True. no longer mechanics, dude. They're fucking computer electrician uh, and computer like geek squad yeah. plus mechanic. Yeah, I mean, really, no, you're right. I mean, you look at it. There's not many moving parts. There's, I mean, you don't need to. There's no, there's no engine. Most mechanics right. fix engines, dudes. There's no motherfucking engine in there. No, exactly. I mean, and the brakes last forever, and yeah, there's all sorts of crazy shit. That you don't need a, a normal mechanic for. It's just, it's incredible, the technology. Yeah, their factory in China is going to be, they're mostly made for export. They're going to make two more factories. Though, unfortunately, the one in Germany is not fully online. And I think that Germany was a terrible decision on his part to locate his factory. He should have located it in the Netherlands. Well, it's got to be expensive as fuck, dude. You know, hey, Jimmy, have, you, have but... you heard anything about this? Um... I don't know what exactly happened, but there's some change in like the visa policies of people in the Chinese semiconductor industry. American. Yeah, I've heard about that. When you talk, I just talked to some people on WeChat right now, but but, Mm. but before this call, I didn't have a call. I have a call pretty soon too. And I do the, I'm in this space so I can keep my, uh, my mouth moving because these calls last a long time. Um, They are not even aware of it. No shit. I talked to someone from really senior Geely. She says she has no idea what I'm talking about. Because their news doesn't report the news that you read. And oh, they so still, but here's the, the difference. Locals, the every single new car coming off a lot, every single new car coming off the factory is now a new car of 10 back orders behind it. Right? It, they can't get the semiconductors anymore, but they don't talk about it. Right? It just means that they tell all their customers, you're back ordered for another year. Does wow. that make sense? So, so you're saying that like, okay, so this happened in the United States, but the media in China is not putting that out. They don't talk about it. So, they the, don't pu- talk so about the general it. public doesn't know that there's sort no, of they don't know. whatever they don't know. semiconductor. They just are told it's backward because of how popular it is. Um, now, so, then, so this yeah. the reckoning will come when? At some point where like... I don't know. With, with China, you never know when the truth comes out. It just kind of like, it's like a fucking dam blowing up. But that's one of the reasons why they're partnering with all these local companies outside of China, because they can no longer say, oh, we're a Chinese company. They'll say, like, we're a Thai company, we're an Indonesian company, we're a Singaporean company. Did you know those companies? Hey, I'm a Singaporean company. I'm an American ally. I love America. They're like, yeah, a Singaporean company. That Singapore is an American ally. Let's <laughs> ship them with some semiconductors, because it's true. Singapore is an American ally. Well, for Joe Biden, it is. This is nothing more than fluff. And nothing more than what can be uh, talked about by the White House of being hard on China. They're going to let them skeet by those Chinese companies by doing partnerships and getting away with it. And it's going to be like that. They just don't want American companies to be doing it directly. That way, they can right. say we're being hard and telling American companies, American public, we're not letting those big bad companies make money off of China. We're being so hard on China. Look at us. Vote for me. Yeah, it's all about the vote, man. I mean, it was funny. Uh, 
you know what Joe Joe Biden wrote a letter to OPEC saying, "Hey, delay that uh, the the fuel you know cut by a month just so we can make it till the election," <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So it's funny. It's a it's a joke. Well, he everyone knows that Joe Biden's not really running the administration. Tony Blinken is. Tony isn't Blinken it, was isn't it a third Obama term. I thought. Tony Blinken. Is a no, I, Secretary I, I, I don't. Who? What does he do? I don't even know who that is. Secretary of State Tony Blinken. Oh, okay. So it's not he actually runs the administration. in the background. It's Tony. Um, Blinken. Tony Blinken was pre-selected, a former uh, Obama appointee. He was pre-selected as uh, Secretary of State a month before Biden even won. Everyone in DC, I just can't remember who that was. Everyone yeah, in DC knew, knew that he would uh, win. By the way, when I mean DC, I shouldn't say that. Everyone in Silver Springs knew that he would be in charge. By the way, when you say DC, you shouldn't say DC. Silver Springs runs the United States. Because all the politicians and government officials and other people who work at the institutes and stuff like that work, live in Silver Springs, Maryland. They, they don't live in fucking D.C. None of them do. No, you're right. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people live in D.C. really. <laughs> they all go out. They go to the same restaurants, same bookstores. They go hang out in the same places. And they're actually people who run the country. Mm, so what, what do you think is going to happen? What, what's your impression of the this next um i don't know election cycle or whatever the hell like what do you think is going to happen i think that joe biden could possibly win again i think that um i think as soon as joe biden announced he's running i knew he would win uh it's a very good consensus candidate democratic party will back into the hilt there will be enough, enough republicans to not vote to keep things going I think that inflation, even though it's a concern, people aren't automatically going to vote Republican. Um, the Republicans don't have a strong anti-inflation platform, to be honest, um, to secure enough votes. Yeah, there really isn't one. There's not a whole lot you can do about it at this point. There's not. No. I would say if I was Donald Trump, I would talk about very radical things, firing Mr. Powell, changing how we even do business as a country. Um, being able to deregulate heavily, being able to, you know, talk about inflation as an economic security threat and blaming typical countries. I would blame Russia, I'd blame China. I would start blaming some of the Middle Eastern countries just to throw their, their basket in. Um, I would focus on a strong nationalistic program. Well, I mean, just becoming energy independent again would be enough for me to, to say, yeah, I'm good with that. Well, you know, though, Oil companies and energy companies, yeah, they right. support the Republican Party. And you know what? They're not big on that whole energy independence thing. Well, they like the prices high. So, yeah, why would they? I don't believe America should be an energy independent if everyone is relying on the American dollar. Becoming energy independent kind of defeats the purpose of the petrodollar. Well, BRICS is going to change the reliance of the dollar, isn't it? Well, what we need to do is to get them into more wars. We need to get them into a lot more wars. Anyone who tries to uh, defeat the American imperial order, which I support, must at all costs be undermined and destroyed. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part two of a three-part Chepe space. Everything. Cosmos, Adam, Stars, Juno, Kuji, Luna, Lunk. Everything. Recorded on Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. 
Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. When I'm ripping and rapping, I ain't picking the bastards who be tricking the masses into getting their asses kicked. Feels like I've been getting my masters. Fuck a pump and double like the income that's passive. Raise up the bar before I fly right past it. I'll be writing rhymes till they put me in a casket. Old man shit, put the lotion on its skin. Then put that shit back in the damn basket like Buffalo Bill, the way I'm ruffling feathers. Snuffing out debt, cut the heads off collectors. Keep a couple heads in a jar as keepsakes. And take the rest and turn them into free bait. Upgrade the feelings, supply the free base Looking all professional, tools in the briefcase Running on empty from gassing up my teammates First one down, let me know how that sleep tastes impossible defending the plausible from end to demonstrable the mission isn't even worried about the clearance running interference till our enemies fear us we're only one disappearance away from a bad day everybody trying to save face on the last day feeling fancy about to pull out the mass eh? drop the eight ball in passing that's so passe i'm getting nasty you cannot put it past me a mix between blasphemy and tuck everlasting feeling like a masterpiece looking like a tragedy trying to get through another day full of savagery getting headstrong from working in the mess hall all hands on deck waiting for our next haul i need the rest got big plans to eject so feed the grass and keep off the kleenex i am interested in magic because i am fascinated with psychology i love to learn about how people make inferences how they draw conclusions and find patterns and information and in particular i'm interested in all that can go wrong uh, how an individual can be led astray by certain cognitive vulnerabilities are exploited. Terror spaces. <laughs>